Welcome to The Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name's Kevin. And my name is Daniel. This is episode 52. 52. Now, I got some housekeeping, because if I don't do it now, we'll never fucking get through it. I think this is like the best way to keep us on track. Yes. Yes, we're already off track. Housekeeping for you. We're The Save Room Show, brought to you by your two favorite soft boys. It is sort of a weekly show. Don't worry about the particulars, but you can find it on SoundCloud.com slash The Save Room Shore. Save room sure sure <laughs> soundcloud.com slash the save room show <laughs> I, I don't know why my mouth won't open all the way daniel. do the rest what are the rest daniel you can also find us at itunes google play stitcher rss feeds somewhere on Castbox. still don't know how to quite get you there but just google it slash fucking save room you know hit up find dave us. guy hit, hit up, up dave, dave guy on yeah. twitter he'll tell you how to do it he's yeah. he's out there doing some some coding and all sorts of stuff stealing rss feeds throwing it into the either space who knows what that he's man a crafty does. son of a bitch buddy if they want to see well my face not your face we need to get you a camera yeah i have this uh, thought every once in a while when you're at work and i'm gonna stream i'm like i could just steal his camera for a little bit Oh, don't do that. It's so hard to fucking get it like back reconfigure. in there. That's like the worst, mm. like that port for some reason. And it gets so hot on the back of the Pro that I feel like it's warping. So oh. I never want to take it out. Okay. Yeah, because it's, it's a thing. But we'll get you a good camera. We will. We, if you wanted to see my face and exclusively my face <laughs> on, on Twitch, you can follow me at twitch.tv slash theredherb. We've been doing a lot of re2 as promised so much and i got something else coming up uh in the bag for you i'm going to be playing some kingdom Hearts. you gotta say it with some gusto <sighs> i'm going to see if a heart can live in data <laughs> <laughs> not only in data in a toy in a boy in anything in that game uh, where can they find you on Twitch if they want to see you stream? They can find me over at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. I am very much faceless there. Every once in a while you can find my face on, on Kevin streams when I pop yeah. in. But uh, I've been streaming, I guess, a little bit of both. I did a little bit of RE2 earlier in the week. Did some of Leon's campaign. And then last night I did an easy run with Claire because I'm trying to clean up on some trophies. Mm. And I also streamed Kingdom Hearts 3, which is a bit harder <laughs> than I thought it would be. What do you, In what, what fashion is it harder it's just a lot to manage and keep up with, because if I'm trying to, like, actually pay attention to this super, super convoluted story that they've, you know... Oh, it's hard to us, engage the chat. It's hard to engage the chat, because I'm trying to, like, focus and pay attention with all my energy, but really, I just end up bashing on it, mm -hmm. and, like, me and the chat kind of go into a fucking ham-all bash fest on the story. That's okay, man. Yeah. There's two things that I learned about Twitch, is that mm -hmm. the chat doesn't matter, and neither does building community. Fuck that shit. Mm. You go in there and you just do your best. It, just, just shut your computer. Don't even <laughs> don't even worry about the chat. The chat doesn't exist. Just do your thing. And I guess another interesting thing that happened was I've never experienced a game that has blocked cutscenes during yeah. streaming. I guess because of the opening movie, they wanted oh. to make sure that was fresh for everybody. But they showed it in like half the music videos already. There are so. a lot of games that like to do that. Yakuza did that. Mm. Uh, I know Persona was the worst yes. the worst offender. Persona 5 when that came out. A lot of block scenes. So. They wrote a lot of articles about that. I know If there's a question mark in your head out there, that probably means you're a PC player. Mm. Um, we stream natively in PS4. And so the PS4, uh, it, doesn't, it only allows you so many rights, <laughs> essentially. So it'll block scenes, whereas if you're using like an Elgato or a capture device, mm -hmm. you can just skip right past that. But that's why um, Atlas came at people's throats. You remember? They're yeah, like, we're going to break your fingers if you stream any Persona 5. <laughs> so what? Is Square Enix in the same way? Or just like, if you spoil 
who gets norted and who doesn't get norted, we're going to come in, we're going to smack you with a keyblade so hard, your molars are going to come out. Oh my god. It's, it was just crazy because it's like, it's not anything he, largely spoilerific. You know? Yeah. Spoilerific. Well, yeah, because anybody who has not played the 17 games between mm. 2 and 3, if they walked into a stream, they wouldn't know what's going exactly. on anyway. I mean... <laughs> So anybody who jumped into my stream at that point had no idea what was going on because my screen was blank and I was just reacting. I was like, oh, that's cool. Ooh, that's neat. <laughs> and like they had no idea what that's I was That's so weird because it didn't yeah. happen when I was watching you stream for, for 30 minutes. Well, uh, hey, 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 we'll get into some impressions well, later. Of course. We will. But you're saying certain cutscenes were doing that? It, it was just the opening one, I believe. And then okay. probably like the final epilogue that they patched and that'll probably be blocked Can as I well. ask you, why are they holding their card so close to the chest for the opening? Like what's... Like it's the start of a of an eighty exactly. hour game. What, what what are they hiding? Which I could probably find on YouTube at this point. It's probably on YouTube already. There's probably some AMVs, a little Lincoln mm-hmm. Park overlaid on well, it. <laughs> like I said, it was already in like half the music videos. Yeah. But we'll get into more of that later. We yes. want to do kind of some impressions at the end of this episode. We're gonna do some RE two impressions and Kingdom Hearts three impressions. Super high level shit. High level shit. Because no spoilers. We want to do an entirely spoilerific like two-hour Resident Evil 2 review episode affair mm-hmm. where we're going to work through not just what we like about the game, but what what makes us feel, you know, compelled by it, mm-hmm. loved. I, I think we're going to also work through a lot of our depression. Through oh, yeah, episode. it's going to be a huge therapy <laughs> we're session. Gonna, we're going to shed some sad weight. So it's really going to be like a catharsis episode, less so a review, more mm-hmm. so two, two men bonding in front of a microphone. You know? it's, it's really yeah. going to be an unraveling of Kevin's psyche yeah. because this game is very much entangled right. to his, his makeup as a man and who he is today. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened today where you were just like, man, Resident Evil really informed you? Oh, yes, when I was like, we, don't trust corporations. <laughs> You're talking about Netflix and how you can't trust corporations. You can't trust like, them. Fucking umbrella, man. You can't trust them. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway, we'll get into that. But, Daniel, I gotta ask you a question before we move on here. What's up, man? Why the fuck do people keep on getting you pint glasses? No, 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 let me phrase. Why do people keep on getting you Zelda pint glasses? We have 400. <laughs> Listen, people, for some reason, already like getting me mugs, cups, glasses what is that 98 percent of actually 100 percent of what's happening in that cupboard right now is all me can i do you just kind of like exude like mm-hmm. i'm the type of guy that you can get a mug and it'll put a smile on my face i just it's it baffles me to think that people probably think i don't have things to drink out of at this point like i, I, I love that they think that like you know our house is just like we have nothing but bin after bin of folgers yeah and you're just you do you we don't have enough and we receptacles for them <laughs> exactly so okay <laughs> I, I got to do a cereal box. Got to do a walk back here. Last episode we did, you guys know I basically slipped my entire hand open on yeah. a, on a Zelda pint glass. In the days that followed, I had a birthday, my thirty first birthday, um, and some That's friends, coworkers. Leap. What's up? Oh, okay, I see the connection here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, so you know, guys. Yeah, yeah. I split myself open, and then I was born. Okay? <laughs> I was born from the gash. Yeah, okay. Ooh, that sounds bad. <laughs> well, it's right. <laughs> yeah. So I guess. Whether they thought it would be funny or they thought it would be sentimental, two of my coworkers bought me two separate sets of glass Zelda pint glasses. 
different generations mind so two different sets of motherfuckers yeah by the way so one is like a it's a frosted breath of the wild set and the other is kind of like this gold ocarina of time set they're both like really cool and it fits in nicely with the skyward sword one i have this is why they get it to you because you really do appreciate these goddamn pipe glasses but now i have five and actually i laid them all out on the kitchen table yesterday to just kind of admire them and take a photo (laughs) and you're like what's happening here and it became abundantly clear that like that was probably the most dangerous spot for me to be in with five glasses yeah i I don't understand like the story goes that a zelda glass cut you open and then everyone's immediate rebuttal is to get you more pint glasses i don't think you have friends so much as enemies that you keep very close (laughs) (laughs) like it doesn't make sense daniel now if they really hated me they would break them all and then throw me in a pit of them like they did chester bennington in that (gasps) one scene from fucking uh saw two yeah saw two (laughs) that's a callback right there oh good shit i haven't seen solitude forever man Can we just watch Saw 2? Can we do like a Saw review cast? Oh, you want to do a Saw review cast? Kind of funny, we'll sue us if we do anything. We'd call it Seesaw. It's kind of funny, invented reviews, so we can't do things like that. We can't just watch franchises, Daniel. (laughs) Shout out to them, because right now they're doing uh, the Fast and the Furious interview. It's fucking hilarious. It's very, very, very good. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I do recommend it. I also recommend that you watch, sit down and actually watch some of these fucking Fast movies with me, Mm -hmm. because I used to hate them. But then I came around after I saw part seven in theaters and I was like, this is the goofiest, stupidest, but, but I like but it. But I'm here for it. I'm here for it. They, those movies definitely had style and pulp that like I enjoyed as a, as a young lad. What you're looking for is cheese. Those mm. movies have cheese to them, but it's the kind of cheese that's stinky and good, you know? Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like moon cheese, that, but that, not really. That Vin Diesel stink. <laughs> that Vin Diesel stink cheese. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, well, I, I want to yeah. ask you something, yeah, my dude, because while we're going to save our, our playing impressions for later, you uh, got into the Anthem demo today. I got into the yeah, Anthem they demo. They let you into one of the 18 demos. Yeah, yeah. So time of recording, uh, February 2nd right now. The demo's going all weekend, and I decided, why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. And, okay. It's essentially what I expected it to be. Uh, it is a combination of Destiny and Division. It literally is that i i gotten you know the third person action is and kind of the crunch to the combat is very reminiscent of division Mm -hmm. and i'm not just like the comparison to destiny is also it's like oh there's there's kind of like a lore and story that's pervasive throughout and then you have quest givers and whatnot there's there's sort of a hub world but there isn't other players in it although i did read that they're going to do one that has other players in it okay it's strange how it starts out actually because it's first person in this hub and it kind of feels like a, like a walking sim because mm-hmm. you're going around, but like you can tell when the full game comes out, there's like going to be that's where the market is. That's where you're going to get javelins, which serves as your Iron Man suit that you get around in. Like I, I, I can see it. But what did surprise me was that when you talk to some of the quest givers, like I, I met this dude named Matthias, and he sent me on this hunt for this fucking I don't know this MacGuffin <laughs> essentially, and his his dialogue was pretty cool. Like he was just leaking with character, and I was like, oh shit, there's Bioware, mm-hmm. there you are. Sweet sweetheart you're you're disguised under all this ea marketing horse shit including that fucking horrible sales chart of like february 17th the premier access game comes out the next day your mother will hear about it she'll get an email and then she will get a premier access version of the game february 19th the end of the world <laughs> like i i don't understand that but like underneath underneath that that lacquer that ea lacquer is that 
heavy storytelling. Well, I won't say heavy storytelling, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that that kind of just leaking with with good writing and narrative focus. Like I wasn't annoyed when I was out there in the expeditions and, mm-hmm. and hearing dialogue between the different characters over calm. Okay, which is something that famously annoys the shit out of me when I play service level games, including uh, yeah, most, Destiny. I would say more recently Fallout 76 with it. Yeah, but I mean it makes sense because like Bioware has such a good narrative and lore touch that I yeah. didn't think this game would be anything short of like rich on all that. Well, it it's it's different, right? Like, because the, the way the, it does feel kind of segmented where you're in this hub. I forget the fucking name. Sorry, but it looks cool. You look mm-hmm. up the night sky. It's awesome. There's this big old like, I don't know, this building that almost is Citadel-esque. Yeah, it looks like um oh, those sort of places that you go to like Stargaze. Yeah. Like astronomy towers or stuff like that. Yeah, I, I like that. And and that's where you're going to get your, you know, people doling out quests and talking to people and, mm-hmm. and just humans living, whatnot. And then they send you out into the wild. And in the wild is you always matchmake with three other people and you start, like, shooting up shit and fighting. And this is where you get into the core gameplay of your flying and your javelin. So... It's not as smooth as I would want it to be. I'm not saying it's bad. It okay. just it took a little bit of time to get like into it and get the hang of it between like hey I got to double uh, I got to tap X to jump and then I got to click down on the left stick to initiate jet mode mm-hmm. and then you can go like, you know, press up or down on the left stick in order to increase or decrease speed, but you also have to you have like a cooldown, so you have to like land periodically okay. and shit, and that kind of that kind of hurts the flow a little bit. And I'm just like, I don't know if that's a part of like, or is that going to be something where I can get different javelins that can stay in the air longer? Probably I, they're I probably going to have different like attributes and stats. Too. Yeah, uh, I I imagine it's going to take some reconfiguring of your brain to figure yeah. out like how to get the ease of play because you've been playing like RE2 for like a week straight. So sure, you, sure, which is try- super smooth game. Exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're definitely like rebuilding like how you're treating like approaching this game versus that. Sure, but, but I didn't mind like I it was reminiscent of like you know Mass Effect the combat yeah. where like certain enemies have shields that you got to eat through. Yeah, yeah, like and the, the Geth soldiers and stuff. And the dynamic actually actually reminded me of how they did uh, two and three they had that extra mode in mass effect the, the mm-hmm. co-op like kind of horde mode where you have other players like they're distracting enemies and there's even some enemies tailored to where they have like a giant shield mm-hmm. and they're only vulnerable from behind so it's like if one dude's distracting them the other guy on the team could just be blasting his ass and okay. like, this enemy keeps on turning around and that wasn't like, just the cool the multiplayer pve mode that was in mass effect 3 because there was like about? there was an online mode yeah, no, no, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to make sure I was following that. No, I was talking about Anthem when I was, like, talking about distracting an enemy. Yeah, yeah. But before, yeah, yeah, you don't remember, the, like, it was like a horde mode. No, I, I got yeah. super duper hard into that. Yeah, like, yeah. I was on that online, I think probably for longer than I actually played Mass Effect 3 itself. Right. With the story. Do you think there's any, like, well, I guess... I Do I think it's a forever game? No, that's not what I'm asking. <laughs> How do you think it compares to a game like Titanfall that has like kind of mech combat and stuff like that? Mech, I mean, it's it's different because like you know, it's not like your mech. Okay, it it is you. It's an extension of you. Okay, it's not like you know your human character jumps out of it and does like faster shit like okay. in Titanfall. So, so you don't have like a limited field of view or anything like that. Or... No, man, it's not it, like it's definitely third person. Okay, and you're you're flying around like it's it's like Iron Man. You Interesting. Know? Like that's how the suit operates. Like that's your way of playing. Uh, think of like Vanquish 
Vanquish or something like that. Okay. I know? would think of Vanquish if I knew what that was. <laughs> <laughs> so That's all right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it feels like some of the combat's snappy, but there's some clunk between going from being on the ground, being in the air, trying to y- utilize both to mm-hmm. like avoid enemies. And you get fucking hammered pretty quickly. So it's... It's cool. I I need to see more before I'm just like, oh yeah, this is a solid fucking game. Yeah. But I w- will, however, tell you, I'm not going to put a fucking review score on a demo mm. like a certain Mr. Shroud decided to do. And then, worse yet, people decided to write goddamn articles about, like, oh yeah, Shroud gives it a 7.5, maybe an 8. Out of 10. Are you fucking kidding? Based off of what, son? Based off of not the game that came out? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that happened, like, what, last weekend? Because that's yeah. when that demo... I think it was for the PC players or pre-order players that the demo went live for them. <laughs> Dude, like, what is what is our attention span nowadays where people, like, they can't even wait until a full game to come out before they're putting what? scores on shit. What did he say? He said it wasn't an evergreen experience. And yeah. it's like, you legit probably played an hour to two hours of a demo. Yeah, like, he was already just kind of putting his thumb on him being like ah this is what this is gonna be it's mm-hmm. not gonna be like a Fortnite. I'm like come on dude like get the fuck out of here i don't know that Fortnite is an evergreen experience but you definitely i get, don't know any game is you get a sense of long-term play with um like pvp games because like every time you match make every time you play it's different like every player interaction is different and they definitely keep it going through the seasons because they do different like in-game events so that's like that's an anomaly like talking about Fortnite and that same yeah. like evergreen space it's weird but yeah you're gonna hit a wall with this game eventually until they start doing events or adding in patches or maybe dlc down the line i think bioware's <laughs> thinking about it but like we won't really know until we see it and i haven't been keeping up with a thousand articles that they've been pushing our way about like this is what the javelin does when yeah. you're underwater like i'm like okay let me just figure it out when i play the game yeah actually i really really haven't been like leaning into stuff like that because like i'm i am stoked for this game but i have things that are occupying my time right now and it's it comes out on february 22nd i will probably get it sometime in march yeah if i don't like push it back to when sakura comes out so no there's that's the thing too there's so many fucking games coming out Mm -hmm. and including division two it it's it's tough right now to be like hey i'm gonna devote myself to this game that where the creators obviously want to keep me stuck playing it yeah you know like every day and whatnot with whatever challenge is coming Mm -hmm. through but i will tell you that it was fun as fuck fighting weird titans they have like these giant creatures that shoot lasers and just fighting anything that's bigger than human size was really cool and interesting and yeah it definitely forces you to where yeah i'm gonna need the other players there Mm -hmm. and that was unobtrusive like you can hop in without a headset and be like hey i can depend that there's gonna be three other people on my team regardless like you you can't just go solo okay so the matchmaking at this point is up to the teams of four always okay cool yeah yeah no i saw you play for a little bit and it looked really cool um how how snappy is the game the gunplay actually the gunplay i really like okay uh i have no problem with the gunplay whatsoever and there's like cooldowns for each of your uh items like Mm -hmm. i was throwing like a fucking grenade and then i had a micro missile that shot out of my hand that i kind of targeted and it has a demonstrable like effect Uh where they the enemies just go (laughs) when you use it so i was like ah shit this is cool i was getting that destiny feel of Mm -hmm. like there's like little um warp portals that have enemies leaking out of it like a monster door and i was like that's destiny of you to do that's cool it looks like a clean marriage of like destiny and like mass effect 3 i've been saying it i've been saying people are like no this is such a different game i'm like no it ain't come on man come on but that doesn't mean it's bad i think it's really interesting what they're doing i will say choppy 
Okay. So far, it's choppy. I don't know if that's just a performance of the demo, but like... There was, I'm sure the servers are getting like throttled. Yeah, right there now. was definitely some frame rate problems and not just online play. When I was in that hub, I was like, that was the worst of it. Like when it went first person, I was like, oh God, this is this is hard on the eyes. I'm surprised too, because you were telling me that the frame rate is what, 30? 30 frames on consoles locked apparently. <laughs> oh, and then wow. 60 on PC. I need to double check to verify that. Okay. You want me to verify? I'm going to Google. Yeah, fucking verify it real quick. But like the frame rate, it looked like the is refresh Anthem rate. Is Anthem 30 frames a second? if it isn't we're gonna give it a 7.4 out of out of 10 maybe it's like hang on anthem supports unlocked uh frame rate on pc 30 frames per second on console that's actually really really surprising yep i i don't know i don't know why that might be Mm -hmm. uh maybe it's because they're dealing with frostbite and trying to do this constant online I have no idea. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a new thing for Bioware to have to really worry about because they've mm-hmm. had games that have multiplayer modes, but I can't really think of a, a Bioware game that was always online like that. Yeah, there wasn't one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. The Old Republic. Oh, uh, the Old Republic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. It took me a second because I wanted to say Knights of the Old Republic, but it's like the Old Republic was the online MMO okay. one. No, it's a good call. Yeah, you're right still about that. Live? Probably. Yeah. Dude, wherever there's a, a Star Wars diehard, can can we get like a you're wrong? Like guys, like please just hit us up on Twitter, DM us, and be like, yeah, it's this. I don't think I'd want to see the inbox on that because we're often no? kind of wrong. We're always wrong. <laughs> me, me, moreover, um, Jess is always te- texting me and saying like, you know, I make semantical errors. She's like, that's not what that word Gentile is the best example. Listen, sometimes it's <laughs> we just talk, and sometimes our words they get away from us, and we happen? don't quite say what we want to. You know, come on, man. Um, but yeah. Anthem, I'm stoked about it, and I'm yeah, seven point five. I'm actually I'm endeared by Mike Michael Gamble and kind of seeing his reaction to how like people are coming across it, like yeah. the the fan feedback because like I feel like Andromeda was such a a landmark fall for Bioware, and maybe right. it was hard for him at times to deal with that because I'm sure he loved that game. Yeah, could you imagine energy. riding out that wave where it's like every time you log in, there's some some bitch out yep. there that's just like Andromeda sucks my whole asshole, and you're just like we're, we're tweeting about Anthem right now. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I think it's that that's the ebb and flow of like online culture where true. you instantly hear the shit, but also we don't talk about you instantly get the positivity. Mm-hmm. People out there, you know, get into the demo and saying, fuck yeah, this is cool. He I, was legit just watching people at the start menu. It's like the numbers right now. People just sitting at the start menu. It's like, <laughs> it's really warming my heart. I'm like, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So I, I hope this is a, a success for Bioware because I think they're a studio that definitely needs to be cemented in this industry mm-hmm. net ease you should come in and give them an influx of money so they can get the fuck away from ea there you go that's cool. my business advice kevin pape style all right <laughs> all right i'm gonna hand you the wheel here real quick whoa I, you feel that did i leave the window open no i want i want to take you for a ride wait what was that i want to take you for a ride <laughs> That's right, my Cap children. The Capcom (laughs) Capcast is back. It is the only official, unofficial Capcom podcast within a podcast Capcom doesn't know about. Hold on, let me get my Mr. X hat real quick. (laughs) I need to fit in. (laughs) Is that what it is? Oh, no. Oh, no. I knocked over coffee and water. You hit the wire. Oh, I hit the wire. (laughs) Oh, wow. There's actually like bites in the wire, though. So maybe I should actually figure out. Oh, actually, yeah. Okay, hang on. Hang on. on. I'm going to have to land the fucking Capcom Capcast thing again. You already landed it. (laughs) Hold on. 
Wow. You got so excited you knocked over a drink. It's been so long since we've done the Capcom Capcast. I was like, yo, this is tight. (laughs) It startled you. (laughs) A little bit. Hold on. It's electrifying. Sorry, guys. I'm going to go ahead and clean this up a little bit. I might actually leave this in the final episode. This is like the first time the cat didn't do something bad. (laughs) It was me for once. She's just chilling and sleeping. That means by the time we get to the Kingdom Hearts talk, she'll be chewing on the fucking cord and Yeah, it's because fucking Xehanort will have norted her and fucking (laughs) tried to hijack this podcast. No, she's going into sleepy land. Her, okay. her dreams will take over. Okay, I think we're good. I think we're okay. good, guys. Cool. Alright, so take me on this ride, partner. I got not one, not two, not two, but four items about Resident Evil on no, here. No, no, no. I am living in a time that I have always wanted, which mm-hmm. is when Resident Evil is always on my timeline. People are talking about it, and they're talking about it positively as well. Was this, well. like, the best week for you ever? Yo, it's so good. My favorite thing <laughs> to come from all of this is fucking Mr. X memes. <laughs> they're pretty good. I've always loved Mr. You know I have a fucking toy of Mr. X from, like, the 90s Toy Biz line of toys that they did? Yo, I love that people are just like, who's that? First of all, I love that despite Capcom's attempts to bury his true name, because mm-hmm. they kept on going, he's a tyrant, he's a tyrant, he's officially the tyrant, fans are still like, that's Mr. X. Yeah. Mr. X! Ooh! <laughs> you remember Some that. of my favorite are like the uh, the DMX memes. Oh, that's going to give it to you. Good. It's so good. <laughs> my favorite picture is like, oh, this is what fans are like this week, and it's a picture of like Sora taking a selfie with Mr. <laughs> X right behind him. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> So I got a few things on here for you, and this one should come as no fucking surprise. Resident Evil 2 has shipped 3 million units in less than a week. Now, to put that number in context, the original 1998 game sold 4.96 million copies over its entire lifetime of being on the shelves. So that's across the PlayStation 1 and N64. And Dreamcast and PC, oh, wow. and then digital sales on okay. PS3. It's been a, it's been around for a lot of things actually. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. So now this number doesn't quite equate to actual sales. Keep that in mind. And it of course does not encompass digital downloads, but it does indicate the demand is high for the horror remake. You want more numbers? Fuck yeah, you want more numbers. Show me the numbers, Mason. Ah, Oh my goodness. (laughs) 2017's Resident Evil 7 shipped 2.5 million units in the same time frame and amassed 6 million units sold year to date. Capcom confirmed that in total, the Resident Evil franchise has shipped 88 million units since the series began in 1996. Yeah, that's a... so that's a high mark right there, buddy. Wh- what do you think it is? Is, you, is it you think? Do you think it's just that people got their hands on the demo and they were just so taken by it, or do you think it's like the word of mouth forever, or, or were there just really that many fans of this game? I I think that it's a combination of things for sure. Okay, uh, everything that you just said is why. Okay, I think there's a lot of love for the story of two and the setting of two because mm-hmm. uh, when I think back at it, it was one of the first zombie games to really throw you into an outbreak. In comparison, the original Spencer Estate shit, it's just like a monster house, right? And then part two was the one that was like you start in the city, you're in Raccoon. Mm-hmm. There's flipped cars and fire. It was like being in a Romero movie, and I think that just really resonated and stuck with people. It made part two feel like a much bigger. experience 
experience than it actually is. It's interesting because they do that for like the first 30 minutes of the game, but then yeah. they literally do the Spencer Mansion thing where they put you in the RPD and it's yeah, like, exactly. okay, now I'm in this cloistered, secluded environment working but, through it in the But same it's way. like, it gives you that context and sense where it's like, I know what's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas in Resident Evil 1, you got a cutscene where you're being chased through the woods, yeah. but you don't get to go out into the woods and look around and be like, oh, it's fucked out here. I think my one fear yeah. is like, oh shit, yeah, there were dogs out there. And in this, like, you know, there's the courtyard, day, there's the parking lot, you know zombies are out there and you poke in and out of, like, those courtyards and you see them, like, clawing at the yeah. fences. That's that's why, like, Resident Evil 2, like, stuck with people, essentially. 2 and 3, mm-hmm. uh, to an extent. And I think it's also, with the success of Part 7, we've already got kind of a tailwind, or a headwind, really, mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, people know that, hey, Resident Evil's back already, but now they're going back to their roots with it. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's really, like, resonated and fucking drove these sales and it's a quality product too man it really is that word of mouth is shouting shouting out there people screaming about how quality this game is we didn't record last weekend because like i just wanted to chill and i yeah that saturday was the one day i was really gonna get to sit down with it in entirety and i sat with it for like 10 hours straight yeah and i couldn't get enough of it i was like this is so well polished and so yeah, amazing. I ended up streaming the entirety of Claire's campaign. You did. It on, was insane. Yeah, on stream, the whole thing. I did it. I sat down at 2 p.m. and fucking didn't stop until about 11. Yeah, I think yeah. you streamed for like, what, nine, ten hours? Yeah, like nine and a half oh hours, something like that. Yeah, it's good shit. It's good shit. We got way more Resident Evil stuff to go through. Yeah. So, B on here. Resident Evil 2 is also getting story DLC for free. Free LC. I like that. Yeah. Free LC. Free loving care. <laughs> the Ghost Survivors DLC is releasing real damn soon on February 15th. Capcom says the DLC features, quote, what if stories of three unfortunate souls who never made it out of Raccoon City, end quote. Split into three chapters, No Time to Mourn focuses on gun shop owner Robert Kendo, my boy. Runaway stars Mare Warren's daughter, I believe her name is Catherine, by the way, <clears throat> and Forgotten Soldier, well, pretty much spells it out, it's about a forgotten soldier. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's pretty fucking cool. A lot of people are very surprised that it wasn't like a paid thing, or, mm-hmm. I mean, they even they even shoved us with a season pass for RE7. Didn't do that for this one. You don't get much expanded lore with these characters in the original, do you? So... Uh, not to get into super spoiler territory, because we're going to have a few review episode of, like, what's different between 1998 yeah. and 2019. And also it also gets hard, too, because, like, yeah. it's a 20-year-old game. Yeah, but Robert Kendo, who you do run into in the game, you meet him way earlier in the original uh, game, and he's, mm-hmm. he is kind of a throwaway character, but originally he was intended to have a much more expanded part. A few of the characters, like Marvin uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the police station, was supposed to have a bigger role as well before they scrapped that, what which became famously Resident Evil 1.5 before they released part two okay so a lot of those concepts i feel like the dlc is diving back into i don't remember the mayor's daughter having a bigger part but she was mentioned and shown in a bad way Mm -hmm. in the original game so it's cool to to see what that is but it also says what if scenarios so as if like maybe they survived this way or or maybe i mean you know some of these characters are going to meet a certain fate so you're just like okay we're running out of the clock until they get bit or die or whatever but i'm it's interesting to see them like expand the universe past like claire and leon's perspective yeah i I like it a lot i think they can keep tapping into the raccoon city thing they've done it in the past they've Mm -hmm. done it for fucking 20 years already true you know and that's why people have kept on screaming for a part two remake 
Uh, I, I think they could do some cool shit, just like you're saying, where it's like, hey, man, there's more stories to tell in this city. Mm-hmm. It's so sad we blew it up within three days in the original <laughs> continuity. Maybe they won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you said, though, with Seven. I like how they they legit kind of did the same thing, because RE7 came out in January, and then around Valentine's Day, they started their first installment of DLC. Mm-hmm. And it really expanded the story um, of the Bakers a bit in a way that was kind of cool. Yeah. Granted, some of it was just like, okay, this is like, you know, fun one and done thing. But I really like the way they explored building the the relationship between the family and even getting to see what happened before the outbreak with the e-virus or whatever it was the e-virus yeah i forget what it was called oh 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 from uh part seven from part seven well, yeah. what the fuck was it it was like t veronica x 14 and a yeah. half uh mikami edition <laughs> I, i'm not sure <laughs> but i got you yeah they, it definitely gives you some extra kind of insights to what's going mm. on not exactly needed but cool for fans nonetheless. So I'm into it. I like that they're supporting it, and I like that they're supporting it for free, because I spent 200 You spent a lot of money. On a collector's edition of that fucking game, so it's nice to get free yeah. content once in a while. It's true. It's, it's real nice. Yeah, I mean, even that aside, there is a huge amount of replay value with this game. Oh, holy shit. You, we'll get into it in the impressions. Yeah, we'll get yeah, into yeah. the impressions, okay? If you want to talk about replay value real quick. Anyway, the next thing on here is Capcom will remake Resident Evil 3. We demand it! If fans demand it. <laughs> <laughs> this comes our way from Dual Shockers. RE2's producer, Yoshiaki Hiraba... Oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> he rehearsed it beforehand, I did. too. RE2's producer, Yoshiaki Hirabayashi, said this year's remake came about because fans made it known they wanted it, and wanted it bad, for 20 years. So, if you want Resident Evil 3 remade, do it again. Make your voice heard. The producer said this is true of any entry and not just RE3. It's apparently untrue in the case of a Dino Crisis remake, but I angrily digress. That bums me out because I feel like this remake could have been such a good testing ground such for Dino Crisis. Such a good Crisis. fucking testing ground, man. Just fucking do it. You got the RE engine, just go wild. Yeah, the RE engine is like blowing my mind every time they use it. Capcom, you could legitimately just like release free DLC where you put dinosaurs in the raccoon <laughs> department yeah. and like... Replace I, all the zombies with that. Exactly. Nobody would get mad at you, dude. Nobody would get mad so, at you. So, R- RE3 remake. RE3 remake. Do you think we need it? Do you think we're actually going to get it? I think that the way that they remade part two, for me, honestly, as a fan, is so stunning. Mm-hmm. I can't help but want part three. I don't think it's absolutely necessary to have happen, but I think this is such a resounding success, it doesn't make sense that they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and the rumor that I've heard is they've already given the green light on it. It's mm-hmm. early stages yet, so we may see it on the next uh, piece of hardware coming our way, probably. Like 20... PS5. Yeah, exactly. Next gen Xbox. Exactly, exactly. I think it totally makes sense, and I think mm-hmm. especially the way that they kind of fine-tuned and retuned what the game is and, and focused on different elements that the original couldn't quite pull off the technology mm-hmm. i will say mr x is far scarier because his he does not stop he's unrelenting yeah imagine that with nemesis man mm-hmm. and nemesis is a little more interesting to me just because it's like so they're all part of the tyrant program right okay. they're they're programmed killers and nemesis seems unfinished you know like he's not put together you can't just put a hat on him and he might be able to blend in terminator style this dude is falling apart he's held together with this fucking butcher's outfit of like leather straps and the more he gets damaged in part three he gets tentacles pouring out and shit and he starts morphing he's he's like an unstable product it makes him scary that would actually be really gruesome in the resident evil engine instance by like the birkin monster and other things like oh fuck yeah and and i think with the technology too i would love a lot of uh part three 
takes place out in the city mm-hmm. rather than being stuck in like one stationary place. I think that would be way more interesting if they played around with that. The main character is Jill? Jill. Okay. Jill Valentine. Cool. And then Carlos Oliveira. Not yeah. familiar with him. Yeah, he's actually in the movies. Oh, cool. Which we're going to see because we're going to review all of the fucking movies on the save room. <laughs> That's something we want to do. Resident Evil and review. Can we do a pulse check for that? Resident Evil and review. Don't see what's kind of funny, but like we want to do that. Pulse yeah. check, fans. If, if you up. guys want this, hit us up yeah. on Twitter at Save Room Show. Yeah. Well, we will watch all six of those goddamn movies. So with this, like, there's been a lot of talk about like fans wanting more remakes. What do you what do you think they'll do after this if they continue on this route? Because like, there's a, a school of thought right now mm-hmm. that it's branching into two separate avenues for Capcom. They're obviously going to keep going the Resident Evil Seven route. Resident Evil Eight's going to happen. I think that's supposed to be a sequel to Seven. But with this other remake avenue, people are like, "Cool, do three, do four, do do them all." Yeah, we were talking about this where it felt like back with them around this part six's era where Raccoon City came Mm -hmm. out and Revelations came out, they wanted to have these these kind of side branching or like a side branching brand. So Revelations like one and two, I think they kept on wanting to go that way, Mm -hmm. but also still have their mainline games. And it didn't quite work out because they couldn't land it in the mainline up until seven. So I think this would be an interesting thing where they keep going with the first person route that was that kind of hit. And, and touch a chord with people with part seven, mm-hmm. do that in part eight, continue that story, keep it in modern continuity. And then our other branch would be the remakes, but keep it this way. Don't, don't treat it as a side project. They've, that's the thing that makes this remake so special. They treated it like a big budget triple a title mm-hmm. that they fucking put all of their marketing and all of their love and all of their time into from what i understand they announced this in 2015 so yeah it took them about four-ish years to get this one uh, out the door that's crazy yeah it so. feels like it's the game they always wanted to make but they were just limited by like hardware yeah. and engine limitations yeah oh every inch of that game feels like the people that made it absolutely love the franchise and the series there's so many odes to the rest of the series in the game that just like surprised me yeah i was just like oh but yeah it how could we not we're already like fucking 20 odd years (laughs) out from the uh start of the franchise you know i think i i personally and people might not agree with this but like i don't want to see them like you i don't want to see like an re4 remake because your thought is like oh that's too actiony like what would a remake really serve it that's the thing, you know, with RE2, that's an old-ass game yeah. that a lot of people find contentious because they just can't stomach the tank controls. Mm-hmm. Whereas RE4, it's still a modernistic game that yeah. actually informed third-person shooters as we know it today, so... Like this, Dead Space. Yeah, and then people are like, yeah, just remake RE4 is RE2, because that's like the whole discussion going on right now. They're like, yeah, just do the same thing with mm-hmm. Part 4, and I'm like, you can't. You're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, when I shoot zombies in part two, there isn't treasure coming out of their assholes when yeah. they melt into the ground. There's a tonal shift that I don't think would work if they kept on like, first of all, it's not a horror game. Yeah, it's not nearly as grounded as these no. ones are. It's seriously ungrounded. There's over-the-top bad guys. There's over-the-top monsters. Mm-hmm. There's big action set pieces. I don't think it jives with what they're doing with Part 2. That's why I think it's much more naturalistic to go into a Part 3 remake and then see if you could do something with Code Veronica. Yeah. Because even that is way too camp to try to just take everything and be like, yeah, no, this is still good in mm-hmm. modern day. I don't think so. I want to see them do... I want to see a re-remake of the first one. A re-remake? Because, like... A re-remaster Resident Evil remake is phenomenal, but it's also, like, lost in its time. I feel like it's so dated Mm. in the the feel of, like, remakes and remasters and all that, like, that I feel like it deserves a modern-day treatment. It's going to feel antiquated in its 
puzzles in its approach, much like Resident Evil 2 Remake does, but I would love to see it set in a different frame. Maybe throw away the hard fixed perspectives and really do something a little mm-hmm. more freeform with it. Yeah, just do what Part 2 did. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I need to go back to that experience again. I feel like the era of Resident Evil that like always mm-hmm. stuck with me was the Raccoon City uh, era, so I would want to see more of that. In That's fact, fair. I wouldn't be fucked up if they were just like, hey, we're making another game in that era, but it's not like a remake. It's just in that universe. Mm-hmm. Maybe go back to try to do something like a modern day outbreak, which Ooh. is an online co-op Resident Evil game set in Raccoon City. Hmm. I think that'd be pretty fucking neat. That would be neat. Yeah. This next one, though. Do you think this next one's neat? Oh, God. I feel like this is the 17th time we reported on some sort of fucking adaptation of Resident Evil that they're trying to do. <laughs> but here we go. Netflix is working on a Resident Evil TV series. Deadline reports that Netflix is working with Constantin Film on a scripted series based loosely on the Resident Evil universe. Constantin is the German production company responsible for the sextuplet of films <laughs> starring a jump-kicking Mila Jovovich. <laughs> Deadline wrote, quote, The drama series will explore the dark inner workings of the Umbrella Corporation and the New World Order caused by the outbreak of the T-Virus, end quote. Netflix is currently looking for a showrunner, and while the project is early yet, it's expected to include all of Resident Evil's signature elements. Hmm. I feel like I trust Netflix to do a... Like they're a, a corporation you shouldn't trust them. <laughs> I get it. I get that they're probably, you know, manufacturing their own virus of, like, the the end strain, the yeah, end dude. virus. Whatever they're doing up there at their headquarters. They're gonna spread it through fire sticks or some shit like that. <laughs> but I trust them with, like, a sort of, like, eight-episode season-long treatment, moreover than I do um, Paul W.S. Anderson and, like, the Resident Evil movies. I don't trust that guy with, like... <laughs> mashed potatoes let alone a fucking <laughs> film franchise <laughs> so i i agree what bothers me is that they keep on saying like oh the t-virus is causing this new world order so are you trying to do the same universe as the films because mm-hmm. i definitely definitely do not want that i mean if you wanted to reboot the movies is what we were, we were hearing constantine mm-hmm. was trying to get people to do that why would you even dip back into the mila backflip in fucking universe alice it feels like it would be the walking dead and the fear the walking dead approach where Uh. you have like the main story obviously all that crazy shit that happens with rick grimes but then maybe you have this like simultaneously simultaneous timeline that runs with like whatever alice did whatever Uh. happened in raccoon city yucky i want i want it to be its own thing first of all i don't even want it to be like oh hey we're gonna see uh episode or a season with jill and chris in the mansion Mm -hmm. and then leon and clinton and and, and, like be your own thing do your own thing as a tv series but it would be cool if it was maybe kind of i don't want to say monster of the week but definitely like vignettes that focus on different aspects Mm -hmm. of the ripple effects of umbrella and their machinations and and the t-virus and such and maybe different characters that end up being hapless heroes and horrible biological monstrosities that they fight against i think that would be fucking cool that would be pretty cool just don't go so don't don't go too over the top man do not go over the, again that would be so weird that we get this really grounded remake and then like the movie world has like motorcycles being flung at zombies heads like they keep going the re6 approach yeah like fucking stop man i would i would like a sort of intimate story kind of give it um the resident evil 7 feel maybe like take a small family yeah. maybe have a child or a family member that why gets do you want to hurt bit. a family so bad listen i have nuclear family it does some things to you you want to nuke a family <laughs> But, like, watch the outbreak spread in a small contained environment and see it kind of change these people, you know? Yeah. 
itchy scratchy. I want to see something like that on a TV level. Tasty. Taste, that's what it is. That's yeah, what it is. No, yeah. <laughs> itchy scratchy. Yeah, I forget what it is. <laughs> itchy tasty, man. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I Again, I, I think you're right. I do trust Netflix intervention a little bit more because mm-hmm. they may step in and just be like, hey, if it's wackadoo, don't. You know, but mm. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt, mostly because I don't give a shit. I got RE2. That's all you ever wanted. All I ever want, all Kevin, I ever need. Kevin, do you love it in a word? I love it in a word. Awesome. Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> Just in a word, like yes or no. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I don't like being told what to do, Daniel. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this next one, man. Hit me with the quick hits. I got to talk to you about something sure. real quick. So... There is a lot of fans out there Mm -hmm. that want to see the inclusion of a certain character in Mortal Kombat 11 as DLC. They want to see Ultra Instinct Shaggy. I'm sorry, who? You don't know about Ultra Instinct Shaggy? I don't, I don't. It's a very powerful, almost omnipotent version of Shaggy, who usually only has to use about 9 to 11% of his power to render this universe fractured. I'm sorry. It sounds like you're describing Shaggy was injected with like a G virus or like Shaggy meets Goku. No. Like what is happening? He's much more than both. Oh God. <laughs> no, for real fans want to see Shaggy and fucking it's a, it's a meme that we didn't know about. That's the thing. And it's catching everybody off guard, but it's a mm. meme that's been going around for a while. It's a fever meme. And then it, it hit a fever meme pitch okay. just recently. So it's just like, there's this, what, one Dragon Ball movie where Goku goes ultra instinct god mode or some shit? Sure. I don't know DBZ, but keep going. I, I don't know. It, it's it, it's like uh, seasonal lights. You know, you can change the colors on them. That's what the Saiyan powers are, <laughs> okay. where it's like, this one's gold. This one's neon. <laughs> He's going to fight a cat thing. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's great from what I hear. Uh, they want Shaggy to do that. And this is all based, I found out, I did a little research about mm-hmm. this. Actually, Polygon has a great article about this if you want to check it out. They did some research too. There was an episode of some 2009 direct-to-TV movie with, mm. with Shaggy. And he fights a bunch of bikers after getting possessed by a ghost. So he has this neon blue outline on him. Like an so, aura? like an aura okay. so it took people literally 2.5 seconds to <laughs> to slam the music from dragon ball sequence onto that and thus the meme was born they might need to like chop the name up a little bit you know what's his name again neon it's Avon ultra instinct <laughs> ultra instinct shaggy okay okay yeah or powerful shaggy there we go. Sure. <laughs> okay so this this memeage has gotten it's gotten up the ladder mm. it went all the way up to ed boone people were tweeting oh at God. ed boone about this and like when he heard about it he was just like they're like we demand him in the game he's like all right tell me how that works out for you yeah <laughs> i mean they've gotten some creative liberties here and there like you yeah. know putting characters like what the ninja turtles and were they in injustice they were in injustice okay, too. okay and getting yeah. like fucking horror characters and mk11 sure and 10 and 9 and all this other shit but it's just like i don't know that hannah barbera would go for this i don't know that they're like down <laughs> to have shaggy and the mystery crew well that's the thing <laughs> wb owns the rights now and wb yeah. owns nether realm and people will buy it that's true <laughs> it might it might be an influx of sales for mk11 yeah. if you put shaggy in this game i'm not and i'm saying i'm just gonna put it this way since mk has been trying to do the ultra realistic thing mm-hmm. maybe just have matthew lilliard as the kind of body cast for it or the mocap for it you know what i'm saying i would be so down with yeah that. i'd be super down he actually plays shaggy on the animated show on the animated show that's great days. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you want this 
I guess. I don't know. Like, I'm not against it. It's kind of silly. Could you imagine, like, fucking Scooby-Doo is a fatality. He comes out and just tears out somebody's throat. Oh, my God. He looks like a hellhound. <laughs> but powerful Shaggy wouldn't need to do that. No. He would just need to blink hard enough, and then they would stop existing. He blinks, and you would just eviscerate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would just be a skeleton standing there, <laughs> confused. What? And then fall over. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Boone, call us up. We'll design some fatalities for you. I, I do want the friendship where like Daphne and Freddie and all of them show up on the in the fucking mystery van. That'd be cute. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. How about we just get like a get a video game uh, going for Scooby Doo, but like not for kids, mm-hmm. like a like a hard post apocalyptic kind of situation. There's art on DeviantArt about post apocalyptic <laughs> Scooby Doo. We need that shit, okay? The last of Doo. Hell yeah, where they fight nothing but cryptids. Cryptids have taken over the Pacific Northwest. It's up to the mystery team to to get survivors out. Yeah. I know you joke, but like you always kind of blow my mind with like yeah. a little game pitch here and there. Yeah. And I kind of like that. That's yeah, a good one. It's a good. Bet. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I've got some quick hits for you, buddy. Now, I had so much Nintendo news that mm-hmm. I had to gather it into a Nintendo foursome. Okay. So, here you go. Well, Nintendo's known for their four-player co-op, so it's good. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Nintendo does like the Smash, don't they? Now, the first thing I got on here for you is Mario Kart Tour has been delayed until summer 2019. I forgot mm-hmm. this game was like a thing that was happening. Oh, but Got the red shell. Yeah, I know. What? Is, it, is there a red one these days? There's always been a red one. I know there's a green and a blue. But... The red one is the like, the homing one that you throw and like it'll usually hit the person in What's front of you. What's the green do? It's like a free form one, so you have to aim it more manually. Okay. Yeah, and the blue one flies. Jesus. Anyway, the mobile version of Nintendo's stupidly popular racing franchise has been pushed because Nintendo wants to improve its quality and, quote, expand the content offerings after launch, hmm. end quote. I didn't even know this was a thing. I totally forgot it was a thing. They announced <laughs> it, what, last year or something? Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. For the longest time, Nintendo was staunchly against putting any of their shit on mobile. They're like, no, 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 no. We own the core market, so yeah. we're not going to do that shit. But then look at like what happened with Super Mario Run and Pokemon Go. Like, I think especially Go is the one that twisted their fucking arms, yeah. or they're like, yeah, we can't sleep on this front. There's some money to be made, mm-hmm. and you know what? I actually checked around. I just made sure. I googled a few things. Okay. It turns out Nintendo likes money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we we didn't write about it, but Switch uh, did fantastically nice. in the holiday season. I think they, they took December with the Switch sales. That's crazy. Uh, PS4 being a little bit underneath that as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, but apparently Nintendo set some high fucking expectations for the Switch mm-hmm. and didn't hit their mark that they intended for 2017. Okay. Which is like, you guys still fucking like, that's like saying, oh, I made a slam dunk, but I didn't smash the glass on the fucking frame. No, apparently it's got like the shareholders and investors a little nervous. And I think the share dropped like 10%. And it's just like, I think, yeah, six to 10%. That's crazy. It's just like, well, no, the Switch is still wild. It's a runaway success, as people have been saying. And those numbers are a little different because it's like, yeah, PlayStation 4, a lot of people have it. People are still buying the Switch. So like, yeah, there's going to be a huge influx of people buying them. Those numbers are going to show. They're doing it, man. But I feel like their mobile front is just to make their investors, you know, you know, make their, yeah. I, was, I was trying to add some sort of boner Bowsette pun in there, mm-hmm. but like, I, I just couldn't land it. I just couldn't land it. Listen, I it, fucking failed you. It was a 10 cent attempt, but you, you made it work. Delay me and make retro remake me. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing on here. Nintendo also announced Dr. Mario World, an action puzzle game featuring everyone's favorite plumber turned physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game will be free to play on Android and iOS, and it's coming out this summer. I'll fucking download it. I would get it, yeah. I really like Dr. Mario. I do too. <laughs> so that's a no-brainer. Actually, I wouldn't be mad if they brought it to the Switch eventually. 
Yeah, that would be dope. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Dr. Mario. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about this one except for like, oh, yeah, cool. I can imagine like being on my fucking smoke breaks in front of work and yeah. just being like, I'm going to do some Dr. Mario in the rain. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Always it, raining, it speaks to yeah. the Tetris lover in me. Yeah, it does. Like, that. that's fucking dope as shit. Mm-mm. Now, here's another one that we may have forgotten about, but they reminded us. Okay. At the risk of giving you flashbacks to 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, the animated Mario movie is still happening, and it's expected sometime in 2022. Nintendo has partnered with Illumination Entertainment, the production company that brought you Minions. And apparently they already cast Justin Timberlake and Donald Glover as Mario and Luigi, respectively. Oh, no, I'm fucking lying. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew that had to be a joke. No, uh, cool, I guess. I was thinking about that on, on uh, my car ride to pick up a Jimmy John's sandwich today. Okay. Um, <laughs> don't do like a origin story or anything. First of all, I couldn't even imagine what a Mario movie is, but mm-hmm. if you're gonna do it, I feel like it needs to be referential. Do it into the Spider-Verse situation. Mm-hmm. Make fun of the fact that he's a fucking physician, a plumber, a yeah. race car driver, all this shit. Make fun of the stuff one. that happened with him and John Leguizamo. Like, draw reference to it. Especially if it's an animated movie. Yeah. Make it a reference to, like, all the... Ga- I want to see some Luigi's Mansion shit in the game. Have some fucking cameos with Kirby and Donkey Kong. Like, do it. That'd Just be fun. Go fucking wild with it. Don't try to do, like, a serious, like, we're going to make the Mushroom Kingdom make mm-hmm. sense. No, you can't do that. No, it Me won't make, make sense. sure you can't can't do that yeah <laughs> <laughs> no what, what do you want out of a mario movie just that really i yeah. mean i don't have any huge wants for a mario movie you never like, wanted one no like i i was okay with the live action one it was fun for its time i like seeing a, a little dinosaur yoshi <laughs> it was an interesting interpretation of it but outside of that like i never watched the animated show growing up i really like the way i get my doses of mario is like how everybody else has i play the games and that's just all i've ever yeah. really needed i don't need an expanded universe but like i think it would be really funny and tongue-in-cheek to handle it like you just said yeah i i, I think so too man if they they handled that way i'd be down for it mm-hmm. i mean wreck it ralph seemed to understand video game culture better than some of the video game adaptations that are out mm-hmm. there so get those fucking people to do it what yeah. the hell what are you doing minions suck my ass minions i don't know those movies are very popular they make money <sighs> i know they made like there's like a new one every day yeah like i turn around i'm just like is steve carell still fucking cashing these checks anyway anyway Last bit of Nintendo news. Actually, that's a lie. But last bit of Nintendo news for the quick hits. Virtual console is no more. Can I get a bump, 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 bump. Launched in 2006, the Nintendo Wii's virtual console shop would go on to offer a selection of classic games. Fans could download Super Nintendo, N64 games. Hell, VC didn't just ha- stop with Nintendo platforms. You were able to download games from Sega Master System, Sega Genesis, Neo Geo. This is why people fucking screamed into the void when it was like, why isn't this on Switch? Mm-hmm. Why isn't this on Switch? After 12 years, though, the shop has closed its digital doors, shutting off access to nearly 400 games. I actually looked up online. Wii U has, still has a virtual console, but okay. it has 140 titles versus 400 on the Wii. Yeah, they definitely did a lot more in terms of supporting that virtual ecosystem and retro play system on the wii because like the numbers were there they already had the install base yeah you have to wonder and this is something that nintendo has encountered way back when as well when it comes to backward compatibility with titles Mm -hmm. in fact sony's gotten shit for it and xbox is the only one going like okay we need to pivot around this Mm -hmm. we need to make this right with their uh with the xbox one Mm -hmm. so 
just to see this store get shut down like this i mean you fucking downloaded a bunch of games yeah no it's a super bummer like this is a big part of like nintendo backwards compatibility history where like i feel like i use my virtual console more than i actually played like my wii games half the time like i sunk so much time in like super mario rpg and link to the past right. and like i even um i had downloaded ocarina time on there but i never actually played it so it was just awesome and i know like 400 games are like and they're all great they're all fucking great you know people are making the point too that with the virtual console shutting down a lot of those games you cannot get anymore legally anywhere else except for virtual console so people are going to turn to emulation meanwhile nintendo is fucking slamming their giant What's the hammer than smash? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to make an al- analogy. The one here. with the song. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Mad, we'll call it a hammer. No, is that the star song? That's anyway, the star song. <laughs> they Reggie is slamming his fist down <laughs> on piracy. They're slamming down on that shit, and yet the 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 way to be able to get these games and celebrate the the impact of these games is dwindling and dwindling mm-hmm. on digital storefronts because Nintendo just doesn't give a shit about the upkeep or. Yeah. Or what is it just so hard to negotiate the rights? I mean, they own all the rights. Like the, that's the thing. Those too. are all Nintendo games. You own those fucking is games. The thing, which is crazy. <laughs> it, I don't know. It bums me out that they can't just like move a lot of them to like Switch's version of the Virtual Console one day. I know, yeah. like the Wii wasn't. It wasn't an HD system. It definitely like alongside uh ps3 and uh xbox 360 it didn't play games in like 1080p barely did them in 720 (laughs) so like there there's a a resolution and output there that was lower to maintain and i guess to port that stuff to a higher res system it might be a little harder to do so maybe we'll see them in tricklings here and there like we'll get like batches of 10 oh yikes bikes yeah you know they could have fucking charged 50 bucks for nintendo online if they said oh yeah by the way virtual console's coming back and they would have gotten no pushback exactly no pushback my dude Oh, you know, one thing that I didn't put on here, too, since this is now a Nintendo-centric episode, mm-hmm. uh, there's rumors of a smaller Switch coming out this year in 2019. Smaller, and also the Joy-Cons wouldn't be removable, so oh, okay. no dock situation or anything like that. Hmm. Uh, it would be cheaper, of course, yeah. by about $100, and I know people were kind of like, why, it doesn't make sense, I want my 1080p screen, and I'm just like, my dudes, this is for kids. Yeah, It's just like the 2DS. It is perfect for kids, mm-hmm. and it is a great get, a great hook when your ma's walking through Target and going like, you know what, 200 bucks ain't bad for a birthday. Here you go. Here's a new Nintendo. It's not bad at all. Yeah. I mean, when you look at how the, the 2DS sold against like the 3DS, like it did yeah. numbers. Like, granted, the 3DS was far more popular, sure. but parents were still picking up the 2DS. Yeah, exactly, man. it was man. cheaper. Like, you, I don't know, you slap it on a price point on there that's $200 or cheaper, people buy it up. Yeah, so I I think that's a given. I know that's not what people wanted. They wanted the 1080p screen with the extra onboard memory. And I would want that too, eventually. But you have to make concessions when you're going to do a price cut. Like, you know, if it's going to be cheaper, what are you going to remove, you know? I just think there's a lot of fans that forget how Nintendo built this empire. Mm -hmm. A, on the bones of their enemies, and B, children. (laughs) Not to say that the children (laughs) built... Did any labor in this? But that's that is their hooks. Those are our tenants. That's mm-hmm. Nintendo, man. So of course they're gonna try to get that side of the market where their competitors may turn mm-hmm. a blind eye from time to time. 
I, I don't disagree. Well, Makes I don't know. Sense. This is a sad moment. Virtual console was fucking huge, and I know people spent a lot of money on that because they did such a good job at curating like retro games on there. And yeah, I mean, you know, we had the NES Classic, we had the SNES Classic. Those were wildly popular too, and those were great systems for what they were. It just it sucks that some of these are going to be stranded. So it actually already closed down. Like I think it ended in January. Like January 29th was like the last day that the shop was open. Yeah, 30th. Yeah, 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 yeah. so huge, huge bummer there. Bummer, man, 64. Oh, you went there. You got some shit for me on I get Yeah, let's close out the quick hits with some interesting little shit here. Not really. It's our free PlayStation Plus games and Xbox games with gold. New month, new games. Here we go. Yay. Free PlayStation Plus games coming to you. We got For Honor on PS4. Oh, I'll download which that. Which I feel like has already come to PS4 or for Xbox For some reason, One already. yeah. I think maybe on Xbox One Gold. Yeah. I'll play it. I, I hear good things about it. I hear they supported it a lot. Mm. When I first played it, the combat didn't really hook me because it was very kind of precise, but it's a cool concept. I want to yeah. check it out. And they added new characters, and they keep supporting it, so yeah. good on you, Ubisoft. We also got Hitman Season 1 coming to PS4. Same shit. Where yeah. I just didn't engage with it, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. It's still like the full-fledged game, right? It's not like an episodic deal. Yeah, if it's season one, it's the whole deal that they... Because okay. it was episodic to begin with, mm. and now it's a it's a full-baked game, essentially. I mean to say, like, okay, it's not episodic in the way that, like... It's not a narrative game, much like Telltale games are. It's, like, no. the same Hitman core experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Weird. It's kind of like you get these slices of levels, like you're out there, I don't know, Havana and whatnot, okay. and you have targets, and you'd approach it however you want. Very freeform. Hmm. Very cool. I've heard nothing but good things. Interesting. Yeah, the Hitman series is beloved, but it's just one I've never really engaged with. The movies are fucking bad, man. You remember when Timothy Olafantastic was Hitman? Yeah, he was bald and he had a barcode in the back of his head, and then everyone was like, oh man, that doesn't look good in real life. <laughs> as much as I love Timothy Olyphant, man, that was who. Mark that one off your IMDb. We also got Gunhouse coming to PS4 by Vita Crossby, Rogue Aces, PS4 Vita Crossby, Dive Kick coming to PS3. The Vita one Crossby, button fighting game. Right, and we got Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriot coming to PS3. Okay. Which is, that's cool. I mean, that was one of the first major ps3 games. yeah it really was that's cool sidebar here which is this because they mentioned this i think a year ago it might have been last march um this is officially going to be the last month that sony will be offering free monthly games for ps3 and vita sony has decided to discontinue free games for the platforms in march 2019 sony has been offering free playstation plus games for ps3 since 2010 as a consolation though sony will be increasing its free cloud safe storage from 10 gigs to 100 gigabytes that's a mighty meatball right there. That's by huge. The way. That last part's exciting. But yeah, it's sad that no more uh, Vita support. Yeah. We're losing um, the virtual console. We're losing free games for Vita and PlayStation. Listen, I feel like less people will be shedding a tear on the Vita front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there is a very vocal <laughs> contingent living on Vita Island. I don't mean to shit on your island. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of space on your island to shit on. Yeah. Okay. We don't want to get in the water supply. Yeah, I think the Vita could have been something, man. It really could have. Mm. It 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 struck a chord with some people, but I, I just feel like its library wasn't wasn't right mm -hmm. for mass market because it very much was tailored toward like here's visual novels and JRPGs, and I was like, yeah, you're getting like fucking fourteen percent of gamers out there. <laughs> and then they honest. would do like major like triple A like offshoots like um like god of war games or uncharted 4 golden abyss they started that way and then they just yeah. kind of gave up on mm -hmm. big ip on it right like we didn't see another golden abyss we didn't see like no. you know any of the other big franchises. we saw a persona game we saw well that's a big thing too mm -hmm. and actually that confused me why they never just ported that motherfucker over to ps4 
Persona 4? Mm-hmm. Come on, man. What are you doing? It would have been me? great. What are you doing to me? I mean, it's it's about time. I mean, you can only support these old systems and consoles for so long. Like, they're already looking at PS5. They're trying to move forward. Yeah. And I know, like, there's still probably a large amount of people who are on their PS3s, but, like, PS4 is going to get cheaper and cheaper when PS5 eventually comes out. So they're trying to onboard people and move them along. Um, and it just makes sense. It makes sense. It does. Yeah. It does. Do you think, though, that um, over time we're going to get more free PlayStation 4 games, or do you think they're going to keep it at, like, the two stock? I don't know if they're going to, like, continue this paradigm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think I think we might see some sort of shift next generation with how they treat online. Okay. Uh, maybe it's a part of a streaming service that you have a, mm-hmm. like, kind of like what Nintendo's doing, a catalog of free mm-hmm. games versus just, like, well, we got to wait for, like, two, two a month kind of deal. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I could see them kind of borrowing their approach from, like, what they did with PlayStation mm-hmm. Now. But I definitely don't think we're going to see more PS4 games free a month. No. Well, uh, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, we might see more, like, uh, VR games, and I'm like, eh, I'm not sure about that one. Maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. I think we're gonna see the same amount okay. <laughs> of what's been coming out. I don't know. That's interesting. I I feel like they might just also keep status quo, but there's just no fucking Vita games, mm-hmm. and that's just what people have to deal with. I it, know people can make an argument and be like, oh, but I pay for Plus and I get all that. And it's like, yeah. you pay for Plus for a lot of different reasons. You are, you're also just, getting discounts. Yeah, like, not just Vita games. So many like flash sales throughout yeah. the holidays and outside in the summer. So it's like you're still getting bang for your buck, um, but people are gonna yell. They're gonna feel entitled. They're gonna be like, well, I want a third game because you canceled my like Vita games like oh yeah exactly i know i know that's gonna happen but at the same time i still think ps plus is a great value especially with the discounts yeah that's something that i was surprised that nintendo didn't adopt where it's like hey on our eShop, there'd be like a lot of discounts with Mm -hmm. our nintendo online (laughs) no so you've had playstation plus from like even before it was a required thing for online right like you had it on the ps3 i kind of did i didn't use it on there but it seems like it's been a value play for the entire way yeah, dude, I fucking love PS Plus. Yeah. I love PS Plus to the point where I don't even flinch when it comes time to renew. I'm just mm. like, yeah, man, I I, I need that. Mm. I, I buy and play a lot of games, and when there's a game that I've been kind of like, hmm, thinking about, and it shows up as seven ninety nine in the mm-hmm. store, pff, I'm gonna blow my wallet. I, I think you for sure make back in sales yeah. your sixty bucks that you spend on it. Oh yearly. yeah, that's a given, dude. Yeah. That's a given. Like I don't even think about like, oh man, what am I really spending money on? Like I know what I'm spending money on for for fucking Shuhei's army. <laughs> <laughs> To throw the ball in Phil Spencer's court now, we got some of the free Xbox games with gold. We got Bloodstained Curse of the Moon coming February 1st to the 28th for Xbox One. Cool. That's pretty cool, actually. That's cool. This is supposed to be the precursor to... Uh, Ritual of the Night. There we go, yeah. Yep. The one that's still kind of in Kickstarter purgatory. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, apparently we're getting closer because they actually rated the game. ESRB rated uh, it. I think it's like T or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, I am definitely going to pick up Ritual of the Night, but I hear if you're a fan of classic Castlevania, Mm -hmm. Curse of the Moon is the way to go. Yeah, I hear this one's like really inspired by like Castlevania 3 and it's it's supposed to be really great. Yeah. So, and then we also got Super Bomberman R, February 16th, March 15th. The R stand for. Xbox One, um, because it's hardcore, man. There's nudity, there's sex, there's drugs. Bomberman's doing it all. (laughs) Bomberman NC-17. We also have, I think I shouted this out last month, but WRC6 FIA World Rally Championships. What? Yeah, January 16th to February 15th, Xbox One. Yeah, we talked about that last month. Okay. Uh, at Assassin's Creed Rogue, February 1st to the 15th. I believe it's Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> Can't fucking get Ewan McGregor up in that piece of an assassin's cloak. <laughs> That's coming to Xbox 360. We also got Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy coming February 16th to the 28th. So, small window there. But if you got an Xbox 360 and you want it, go That was for a cool it. one. Yeah. That was a cool game. Force grab that. 
I'm not mad at it. I just hate it that it's like it's obvious, but yeah. I didn't think of it. Listen, I just my wit it, it kind of wavers. Save roommates. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not always like on the same cylinder that I need to. I'm not oh, at Kevin's level. Oh, but... dude, if there is another name for this podcast, it would be the wit waverers. <laughs> the wit waverers. Yeah, our wit does waver from time to time. Let me tell you what. We don't land every sentence, but let me tell you, we try. We try. <laughs> All right, I got some news for you. I gotta wonder if this is still confusing for our listeners. Like you got preamble news you got quick hits you got news news big news top news top news for bottoms like i just i just think they like hearing us i don't think they care about how we divide this up but we should probably do a a better delineation between uh uh, things so like when we're talking about news we got to be like fucking shit's happening (laughs) and then they'll know that's their alert sound the news alarm get get the fuck get down news Start throwing news bombs like Paperboy style at people. Look out, you dumb game bitch! There's news coming! Oh my god. Hit me with this one, because I'm kind of excited to talk about this. Yes, yes. Number one, bad news. Metroid Prime 4 has been delayed. Good news. Retro Studios is now making it. I like retro. I know. Announced through a single logo during E3 2017 for the Switch. Metroid Prime 4 has hit a development snag. Mm. Shinya Takahashi, head of Nintendo Entertainment Planning and Development, personally delivered the bittersweet news to fans through a video released online. In his words, quote, Although this is very regrettable, we must let you know that the current development progress has not reached the standards we seek in a sequel to the Metroid Prime series, end quote. Not going to get that Nintendo quality seal, man. Mm-mm. After a year and a half of internal effort, it appears Nintendo is starting from scratch, but making different choices to hit high fan expectations. Takahashi said, quote, We have decided to re-examine the development structure itself and change it. Mm-hmm. Specifically, we have decided to have the producer, Kensuke Tanabe, work in trust and collaboration with the studio that developed the original Metroid Prime series, Retro Studios in the United States, and restart development from the beginning, end quote. Hmm. Hit me with this, because you actually played these games at some point. I played a few of the ones on the GameCube, actually. Like, the retro ones, like the Metroid Prime trilogy, which is, I think, Metroid Prime, Metroid Prime 2, Echoes, and Metroid Prime 3... I forget what that one is. Chasm in the Darkness or whatever. <laughs> Actually, hold on. Let me look it up real quick. Cast my heart into the darkness. No, no it's Metroid Prime 3 Corruption. So I played the first okay. one, and it was a really interesting way to kind of explore that Metroidvania Metroid game in a 3D space. I thought it was cool. And then I didn't play 2. I didn't play 3. And then I remember the time I tried to get back into it around like the Wii era. And then I guess later on the Wii U uh, when Other M came out. And people were like, don't play Other M. Don't play that. Yeah. Which is, it's a bummer because I think uh, Team Ninja worked on that one. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a bummer to see them flop. But apparently like, somebody had a vendetta against Metroid at that studio and yeah. made that fucking game. So I think it is, it's in good hands to see it go back to retro. I think if, especially if they're going to move forward. I don't know what this game was supposed to look like before they canceled development of it. I don't even know who was working on it before. Yeah, we didn't see anything. Yeah, there was literally uh, nothing. It was actually their internal development studio, uh, which uh, this guy is uh, the head of. Oh, uh, I they, think it's... Uh, they make a lot of their core games. R&D 1 or something? So, some, yeah, yeah, they're the studio that worked on like the original Metroid, Super Metroid for like the NES and Super Nintendo. So this is what I want to highlight on this, which is, is this... A- First of all, I love that it's going back to retro. Mm. They're the the one the stewards of the franchise to begin with, and usually that's a good thing. And they've done gun work with 
They've done good work with the Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze uh, games. Even before that, like the Donkey Kong Country Returns game on the Wii yeah. was is one of my favorite Donkey Kong games. Yeah, it's that, so good. That game's fucking great. Now, the thing that kind of worries me is there is there going to be is it going to be like a, a true trust and collaboration mm-hmm. like they're saying or is it going to be a tug of war between nintendo who's going to be like we made metroid and then retro is going to be like we made metroid prime mm-hmm. and then it's like well we made metroid because i hear that that can be a fraught relationship east and west mm-hmm. historically has had some interesting results you know so and especially i always hear about it i always hear about it i talk to people that have I've talked to a few people at companies that uh, have a Western presence, mm-hmm. especially in California, and talk about their Japanese overlords, and they're yeah. like, yeah, it's tough to get stuff by. <laughs> you know, so I got to wonder what, what that relationship is going to look like and what that's going to do to development. You know? I think in an ideal world, it would be a good collaboration. I, it might end up being a tug of war at points, mm-hmm. but I would like to see them kind of work in conjunction in a way that honors like what the original games did, that that charm that made that those games great and that exploration and all that and really yeah. like allow retro to kind of do something that is true to fans and, and kind of what we want uh i, I don't want to think that fucking tanabi is going to grab hold the spot the space pirate ship and do what he wants with it <laughs> but like you know i want to think that it's going to be a, a good flourishing because i think him and his team worked on um samus returns on the 3ds Okay. That, that was like a, the 2D one that came out. Um, well, Mercury like Steam also did yeah. that one. Okay. So they, they they helped on that one. Was yeah. that another collab yeah. fab? Between okay. them and R&D. Cool, cool, and cool. that one was like very, very well received. So I want that on the Switch. I'll pick it up instantly because you know I'm a huge fan of Metroidvania. Mm-hmm. And if I have to edge out the Vania part to enjoy it yeah. still, then that's fine too. But... I would actually love to see them kind of port it as like a good faith thing and kind of just get some like yeah. money rolling in for development on this. Do you think we're going to see the Prime trilogy on Switch? Like before? Like in the intermediary? Mm-hmm. I would hope so, but I feel like they'd have to like remaster it. Oh, of course they yeah, have to rematch. I don't, I don't think they could just do a straight port. They brought it to the Wii, right? Like it was on GameCube, and yeah. then they brought the whole trilogy to they the Wii. They brought all. Yeah, I remember okay. that was, and that one like went out of print really quick or some mm-hmm. shit because it was always like seventy bucks used. I yeah. remember that back in the day. That was weird. I don't know. I'm I'm excited for this. I like this approach that Nintendo's had with like it's been recent where they're like, mm-hmm. okay, if there's a game that's in development that's not meeting our like you said our Nintendo quality a seal, yeah. we're gonna stop what we're doing, reconfigure and, and move forward. Whether it's changing teams or changing ideas or rewriting stuff, because like they have such a caliber and quality that they want to put out that like they're not willing to sacrifice it. I know like metroid's been on ice since other m and like yeah. they really want to make sure that when they return to it they can do fan service i think especially <laughs> when you're looking at their their uh lineup too mm-hmm. mario kart absolutely murders yes. legend of zelda absolutely murders new super mario comes out fucking murders and metroid's been kind of behind on that which is crazy yeah which is crazy because it's such a storied franchise mm-hmm. and it has so many fans and and there's such brand recognition with samus aran you know showing up in every smash to mm-hmm. date and having the these kind of other titles, you know, spin-off titles and mm-hmm. stuff still persistent throughout each generation. I, I I think they recognize too, like, this is our opportunity mm-hmm. to absolutely slaughter with this franchise again, to put it up there with the rest of what we got. Mm-hmm. You know? So I I would do the same thing where it's like, hey, are we gonna push something out there that's kinda eh? 
fuck that. No. We're big dick Nintendo. I want that big dick Nintendo that they brought with like Super Mario Odyssey. You hear that, like, kids? Big dick Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, I want to see Retro go hard as fuck on the 3D Metroidvania space. And then maybe Tanabi, like, do a mashup where like, okay, maybe you come across like a old like PC console and you do some inputs and you get to play like an old Metroid style game in there. Oh, I see what you're yeah, about. Yeah, because they kind of did that in Odyssey where you had like it's the cool. 3D realm and then you had the side scrolling bits that like threw back to like Mario 1 and 2. And I was like, that felt really great and nostalgic as a fan. And I, I'm i not like a huge Metroid fan like I am Zelda and Mario, but like I've definitely, I've played the games here yeah. and there. Um, and I, I want to see a good modern take. I really do. I do too. I think you could do some cool fucking thing to the switch too you know mm. especially with that camera maybe there's some puzzles and stuff that you uh or what is it called like the the motion sensor yeah in the controllers and whatnot uh i forget what it's called because pokemon go uses it yeah imagine if you're doing that with you know puzzles within the game it would be cool yeah. although like i think i like the idea of it more than i like the implementation that's true like, breath of the wild taught me that yeah breath of the wild taught me that in those fucking dungeons <laughs> fuck Anyway, um, we'll see what happens. Like I said, I, I appreciate Nintendo kind of taking a step back because it's like they know that their Switch is like their their new call to fame, their new like ascension from the ashes. So they yeah. have, have an opportunity to do yeah. something big here. And like like we said, Metroid isn't a household name like Mario is, and maybe they could make it one. And, you know, mad respect. It isn't easy to come out there in front of the fans and be like, hey, bad news time. Mm-hmm. But it's the right choice. It's the right call. And I think uh, there's a lot of people that are totally understanding, especially especially since they came out with like, and by the way, your favorite fucking studio is making it. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah do that. Nobody was going to argue about that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I think there's very few <laughs> fans out there that wouldn't be willing to wait for Retro Studios Metroid Prime 4. Mm-hmm. That was part of the disappointment with the original announcement. It was just kind of like, oh, Retro's not doing it? You yeah. Know? Like, we remember, were screaming for that for yeah. years. Yeah, we're just like, Retro's not doing it though? It's not like you don't work with Retro no more. They're right? basically second party to you guys. Yeah. Ah, but yeah, this is good shit. It's just we won't say anything for a while. <laughs> no, we won't. Because like, what? I think it'll be like three to four years before we see the game even out. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe. Well, who? Yeah. They had to scrap it. They literally, <laughs> yeah, scrapped, they it literally like scrapped it a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, like, no, you're right. It takes some time. <laughs> They're just throwing out entire PCs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like out in the fucking in the streets. This is trash. <laughs> Miyamoto's rolling through, just bashing stuff. He's got a Mario glove on. Reggie's out there with this fucking Samus helmet and his blaster, just fucking up people. <laughs> Could you imagine? I imagine him just like with a fucking flamethrower, looking back at the camera, smiling his big old thousand dollar smile, and then just setting the flame. The old Metroid Prime Four. <laughs> Nintendo does housekeeping in a way that nobody else does. Oh, big dick Nintendo. <laughs> how do we how do we stick our landing sometimes? We don't. We don't, guys. We We're don't, sorry. We don't. This is, this is an improv show sometimes. The Wit Waverers ride again. <laughs> Hang ten. Number two on here. I got bad news for you again. Quantic Dream wants to spread their evil beyond the PlayStation. Press X to resist. (laughs) (laughs) With an influx of cash from Chinese media giant NetEase, who previously emboldened Bungie with a hundred million fucking dollars, Mm. developer Quantic Dream wants to take their narrative-driven games multi-platform. 
Company CEO David, despite <laughs> all my rage, Cage told Game Industry Biz, hang on, GamesIndustry.biz, quote, We are going to work on all platforms and make our experiences available to everyone. Pretend you hear a French accent when I'm saying this. Our team developed some of the most advanced engines on PS3 and PS4, and we are now going to make our technology cross platform mm. and try to get the best out of each end quote the cageness says quantic will of course continue to support playstation considering their 12-year relationship with sony that brought us such hits as heavy rain uncanny valley versions of willem dafoe and clancy brown and most famously sean <laughs> sean <laughs> jason Sean! Alright, Cage says they've been thinking of the studio's future for some time now, recognizing that gaming was, quote, entering a major transformation phase, end quote. NetEase and Quantic Dream find their partnership complimentary and a no-brainer investment on the former's part. NetEase's general manager Simon Zhu pointed out that Detroit Become Human was a live-streaming sensation in China, much to Quantic Dream's surprise. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <sighs> so it's interesting. They're going the same route as Supermassive. Supermassive was like, cool, this Until Dawn thing is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Let's keep on doing this good thing elsewhere. Do you think this was like an autonomous decision? Or do you think it's like maybe all the legal stuff that had happened with David Cage lately? Maybe there's been some weird pushback from them and Sony still being like a first party studio doing what they're doing. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily know about that. I think it... Mm -hmm. For the first time, I don't think David Cage is lying through his teeth. Uh, I, okay. I think he really is thinking about the expansion of his company and how how games are transitioning. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a little bit of part of that conversation is what Fortnite is. This kind of cross-platform sensation that strikes all levels and it, mm -hmm. in terms of playability, accessibility, uh, reach. You know, And I, I think they see that and they think, fuck, all we need is just a little bit of cash and get ourselves out there. Mm -hmm. And they're saying that, hey, the, the Asian market is unlocked now with this yeah. deal. So that's going to be fantastic for them because... China really, really loves the the Android game. They really love the civil rights and Android yeah, racial that, tensions that are going on. They're, in that, they're in that serious. something about it. <laughs> I think it's cool because, like, I always, I mean, PS3 era and PS4, like, I appreciate Quantic Dream for their PlayStation exclusives, but, like, the narrative genre, interactive genre like that, I feel like it shouldn't be limited to one platform. I feel like there's so much you could do across, mm -hmm. like, Xbox, mm -hmm. PC, Maybe even bring it like a like a Quantic Dream experience to Netflix, kind of like a choose your own adventure thing, like Black Mirror did with Bandersnatch. Like really expand your storytelling platforms there. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's wrong at all. I, I think that's that's exactly what they're trying to kind of hint mm -hmm. at with this idea, where it's yeah. like, hey, what if we were on a fucking iPad? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what if we were out here? What if we were doing this? You can't really do that when you're exclusive to PlayStation. Yeah, I wonder what they're gonna do with that uh, that net ease money if they're gonna use it to buy like a better engine, if they're gonna use it to kind of just bring on more talent. Bathtubs filled with coke. Probably. Yep. <laughs> David Cage is gonna snort up all that hundred thousand. <laughs> no, I think they actually have fantastic tech. Really okay. fantastic tech. Uh, again, I think they're a great developer. Mm -hmm. I have problems with what I've heard about their internal culture. Sure. And also, David Cage, his writing's not good. It's just not good, man. It's It beats you over the head obvious fucking writing. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why it translates <laughs> to, like, different markets. We yeah. always we always talk about why Transformers is such a fucking hit in China, despite the fact that, you know, in, we've had this backlash against it in the States. We're like, dude, we know they're bad movies, but why do they keep making them? Mm -hmm. It's because... 
that translates its visual style and it's the way that it is translates without need of subtitles or anything and mm. i feel like david cage games are the same way you can walk in and be like that's a bad guy yeah <laughs> it's all pretty on the nose yeah oh blowjob scene press x <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah you remember that blowjob scene from happy rain come on man what the f- it made me feel dirty for a little bit. I'm yeah, not gonna I'm telling you. So I think I think there's, we're gonna see a lot of companies that are thinking that same way, mm. where it's like we need to be everywhere because gaming moves everywhere. Yeah, you know. I, th- I think the idea of cross-platform is, is huge for developers. There's a lot of money in it, and you can only like expand your reach. Like I, I can only imagine how many potential players they're locking themselves out of by being Sony exclusive, but also like it keeps people coming back. They're like, yeah, I want to get a PS4 because I want to see what um what Kara was supposed to be before it became Detroit, you know? Like mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people bought into PS4 hype because of that that tech that they displayed. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's, there's power to an exclusive because yeah. you don't need to stream stretch your resources then you can just focus laser focus and be like i'm developing for one thing Mm -hmm. and that's why we see extraordinary experiences like god of war and spider-man come Mm -hmm. out of like ps4 uh but at the same time if you want to go get some coverage that's true (laughs) you want to be on steam you want to be maybe they want to be an epic store maybe they want to be everywhere you know and i think that's that's totally natural as long as the quality is still Mm -hmm. there with their games yeah that's it. I know you were a little kind of like put off by this. You're like, God damn it. Now more people are going to be subject to David Cage's yeah, path yeah. of destruction. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one, none of us are safe anymore. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm not the biggest fan of, of David Cage games, yeah. to be honest with you. I've, I watched you play a little bit of Detroit. I talk about it and I was just mm-hmm. like, dude, this is not, this is not for me. Yeah. I, it's fine if it is for you. I'm not going to come at you. I don't like yucking anybody's mm-hmm. yums, but Quantic Dream Games have definitely like taken a sour turn for me ever since I decided to sit down and commit myself to whatever the fuck Beyond yeah. was. Beyond Two Souls. It was beyond tolerable yeah. is what it was. But fine. I think for me it's like it's interesting to see a company like NetEase kind of step outside of like just a strictly mobile gaming market. Because mm. China, like that's their big market out there, mobile gaming, right? Yeah. yeah so to see like a company like NetEase be like, we want more console content. We want to build that for Chinese audiences. Globalization. Like, yeah, exactly. Like I think it's interesting to see them kind of push and, and dole out money for companies like them and Bungie. And like, I want to see what these games are going to become because we don't have that sort of Chinese influence like we do Japanese or Western. Right. It looks so. like Firefly was right. You mean, you know, the future of Firefly where it's like uh, everyone speaks both English and Chinese because <laughs> China just like took over corporately uh, like the world well, and then they spread the, the reach and everything. And so people like curse in Chinese and or I mean, say in Mandarin. Yeah. Well, realistically, this I think happening. Cantonese is the most widely spoken language in the world. So you think we're going to we're going to speak Cantonese? Natural course of actions. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I want to speak Cantonese. Do you? I want to speak a different language than this this fucking Floridian. Well, listen, we're too busy challenging ourselves to crazy video game achievements and platinuming games. We should be learning other languages, but we're not. Well, since you said it, <laughs> let's get to the main topic. Yeah, there were two games that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, did, did we? Was that a nice bow on a Quantic Dream? Because uh, I didn't say fuck David Cage, did I? Hmm, maybe I'm growing as a person. I think you're growing. 2019's been a big year for you so far. <laughs> it has. It yeah. has. Two games came out and people are shitting their pants for very different reasons Mm. for each kingdom hearts 3 
landed after 14 years 14 years since part two i mean yeah so two came out in i think it was oh four right no 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 2006 it, it came out my oh, senior six? year okay. yeah, yeah really right. um so that's when that one came out so it's been 13 years since that game oh. but it hasn't been in development since then no of course not they've no, teased no, 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 ideas no. of a greater overarching story and had iterative yeah. titles i think kingdom hearts 3 has only been in development since 2013 yeah so okay. that seems about right. five year development cycle and then Resident Evil 2 drop. We've already talked a little bit about it, but we haven't talked about... Well, first of all, let's just get it out of the way. I uh, played quite a bit of that game. I beat it eight times, and I got the Platinum within a week of its release. I haven't seen you Platinum a AAA game quite like that, like that quickly, I think, since Spider-Man. The last, my last Plat was that, so I popped that Plat, oh my God. TM, and uh, I gotta tell you, the smile on my face throughout, that mm. is an immaculately done game. It is fantastic. Top to bottom. I really, really fucking like that game. Cat, get out of here. I'm talking yeah. about Resident Evil. <laughs> go, go get chased by a tyrant. Go get or chased by a tyrant. Yeah. Mr. X is after your ass. I, I just think it impresses me so much. It's such a loving remake, but mm-hmm. it's a different kind of remake, you know? It's a remake, not in the sense where it's like what we saw with Crash Bandicoot or even Shadow of the Colossus, mm-hmm. which was a very one for one kind of experience. This one is remaking a game that came out 20 years ago. And so it takes every component that it thought it that thought it worked and then just kind of expanded retooled and made bigger made better made harder a very loving and serious kind of take of the lore of part two it mm-hmm. just grounds it all it's so fucking good it over delivered for me i was gonna say so easily without a doubt it lived up to your expectations it easily lived up to my expectations and in a lot of areas it exceeded them mm-hmm. for sure for fucking that's sure. awesome i now we can we're gonna save a lot for the review episode but i will tell you I think this is... Is this a big statement? Is this a big statement for you to say? Here it comes. Here it comes. Do I it, feel man. It. You're I the Capcom my captain. Say what you need to say. Resident Evil 2, the remake, is the best Resident Evil game Capcom has ever made. There you go. It's out. It's out there. You know, I honestly, I can't disagree with you. Like, the only other thing I think that could contend with it in modern times is like RE7, but that game had narrative loopholes and plots that like kind of fell apart here and there but from a gameplay perspective in a way that it paid homage to the series's roots like that nailed for me so hard but i could see this like being a a remake 20 years later and and i I could see all that was already present there from the original dna Mm -hmm. and how they built on it and how they learn from what like happened with re4 and the third shoulder perspective what happened with re7 with how they're like okay here's what we're doing in this engine yeah how here's you, how we're recontextualizing these exactly how do you how do you play with the music how do you play with the shadows how do you make it scary again and i think they asked all of these questions throughout and found very clever answers to mm-hmm. each of it. it's like how do you make zombies scary again we live in a realm that's just totally oversaturated with zombie mm-hmm. games what you do is you make them fucking hard they are tough to take down and they're a serious threat when they get a hold of you yeah you know like that's such a smart decision because it's like other games would be like no no no, you should easily blast their heads off and move through them and do kick them and shit and this game's like no we're gonna dial it way the fuck back there's no melee there's no suplexes well that's what i like it leans into its survival horror roots in yeah. smart ways where it's like okay you have to worry about certain things like inventory management and what items you have on you and even like knowing when to like save a bullet 
Yeah. It's it's really smart and measured in that, and it makes situations that much more harrowing, where it's like, you could, like, literally stock up ammo and have, like, I don't know, all the grenade launcher ammo and shotgun ammo and stuff you need to get through a hallway, but in another take, you could might not have any of it, and you just have to run and hope you have a secondary weapon that'll and those, save you. those end up being, like, the most exhilarating yeah. moments. There's so many times in that game where my heart was fucking pounding because I'm down to danger status, mm-hmm. and I have only handgun bullets on hand that aren't going to do a, a fucking thing against some of the bigger creatures mm-hmm. that come after you now they do like the like we said i think on our our impressions for the demo they do the dead space approach where you can literally like hack off limbs and kind of like slow them down but yeah. like if you don't kill a zombie it could pose a threat to you later where it's like you can come back to a room that you kind of forgot about and you could see that zombie clawing around on the ground and it could grab you still you could think it was yeah. dead too you could put some bullets into it it decides to lay down but then suddenly ah, ah, ah surprises the shit out of you when you're running through mm-hmm. so it's like it makes you much more cautious it makes you think about your environment yeah. thinks about what you're using and the big thing too is that this is how i the mark of a good scary resident evil that i haven't felt since i was a kid and i haven't felt since a little bit in re7 which is i am afraid to open the door i have mm. such a pervasive sense of dread about what's next but it's also exhilarating to be like i gotta keep pushing you know, it keep it keeps you going. When you get to a certain point, you feel like there's this kind of there's a momentum to the game that you mm-hmm. wouldn't think is there, and it almost it almost actually rewards you being risky with certain moves, being mm-hmm. like, "Hey, can I run through these three fucking rooms that I need to get to? I know there's two liquors out there. Can I get it? Can I do it? I hear footsteps. I yeah. know what that means. <laughs> I love. For, I know we're gonna get into the review, but I gotta say, I love what they did with Mister X. They greatly expanded mm-hmm. his presence and his fear, and it seems like they learned from what they did with not only Jack Baker mm-hmm. uh, and some of the other Bakers in RE7, but also what Nemesis was kind of an escalation mm-hmm. uh, in the original Part Three. So they're like, what if this thing just doesn't stop? And uh, on this interpretation, this remake, Mister X is present in both campaigns, whereas before in the 1998 version. It was just in yeah, he, players? Yeah, he was just... Well, actually, he was just stuck to one of the scenarios, which okay. was B scenario. So regardless of which character, if you if you activate the B scenario, that happens. And, mm-hmm. and we, we'll get way more into it. We but will. The scenario system is kind of back, but there, the overlap... Is, there's a lot of one-for-one one with the overlap. Mm-hmm. There's just some key differences. So it is very worth it to play both campaigns. It's not just a materialistic or aesthetic thing mm-hmm. to choose Claire or Leon. They have individual story mm-hmm. beats and in some instances fights that yeah. you won't get i didn't play otherwise. through it eight times but i definitely did i did claire's a situation <laughs> and then i did leon's beat because that's the true canon lore narrative that everybody like kind of clutches to and i'm like sure. okay cool let me do it this way and like i felt like by the end of it i got like a full experience whereas by like the end of claire's i was like oh okay like that was a fun ride but the ending is just like Typical Capcom ending where it's like, here's a quick cheesy ending and that's it. And it was like, oh, credits. But like, when it knew you... what it was doing. It knew what it was doing. Exactly. It was a fucking, it's a quick cut. Like what? <laughs> yeah. But then when you go through and you do Leon's campaign, you put in the extra like six to eight yeah. hours to see that through. You get a longer ending with everything that's going on. Can I get on. you to say it since you've done both campaigns? Mm-hmm. Can I get better than seven? Because my boy, seven? my boy is in love with seven. Here's the thing: seven for me was such like a, a right place, right time. It had such a contextual gameplay feel and atmosphere that is addictive for me. I love exploring the Baker Estate and being in that grime and hacking up like molded with like whether it's the ripsaw blade or like getting in their face with a shotgun. Like I guess because it calls back to like the grossness and like combat that was present in Dead Space. I think RE2. 
Oh man, this is a tough one for this guy over here. He's sweating. I think it's more of a, a complete package, but I feel like it, it lacked certain moments of ump for me, like big boss fights. Like there are a handful, but I feel like it's re- reoccurring ones. Um, to be fair, I, I just think I really enjoy the boss fights yeah. in this game where I feel they're less gimmicky than the ones that Seven forced you mm-hmm. on. Because it had the Seven had to work with the uh, first person perspective, so a lot of the boss fights end up feeling on rails versus yeah. like you know. And that's the other thing too. It also introduced gameplay elements that you're just like, ah, I haven't really been using this the whole yeah. game. Versus RE2, it's just an expansion of what you've already been doing, and that's the mark of a great game. No, I'll I'll give you that. Like RE7's elements where it's like it'll put you in situations where like, oh, I've been f- in close corridor shooting, and now I have to fight a bigger than life monster and it felt like a weird marriage of like survival horror with what re6 and re5 and re4 did like those big set pieces with bosses but like even one did that here and there where it's like oh you're fighting a giant serpent or you're fighting fucking sharks it's always been a tenant with resident evil it's just about like how well it's delivered on it which i feel like kind of faltered a little bit in part Mm -hmm. seven because i wasn't necessarily loving the boss fights Mm -hmm. but i do love that there's certain elements from those boss fights that they exactly carried over we'll get into that in our review episode but like good shit i think as a whole i liked re2 a little more i gotta say because it's just like there's there's something there's something about it i like the time that you get with claire and leon respectively i feel like they're far more fleshed out characters than um ethan winters is from re7 where it's like i mean he's kind of an everyman you kind of have to implant yourself into him like okay i'm in the situation well that's a big disconnect that i feel is like obvious you don't see his face you don't see his face and and until like maybe one scene where you kind of see some of it but like whereas you spend time with claire you spend time with her and leon you get a relationship you see her with other characters and you kind of like you get a bond with her that isn't quite the same as it is with ethan and it's it's personal and you feel like you're alongside with her that entire night like fighting for your life and and trying to save sherry and trying to do what you're doing and it's it's gripping in a lot of ways and it, it definitely had me like on the seat of my pants in a way that was like cool this feels like a resident evil game i love like. their take on the story yeah. because it, it it has a just a little bit of camp mm-hmm. like just a little bit of camp because it knows what it is but it lands it so hard mm-hmm. like you you couldn't tell the difference between like watching a marvel movie or some shit yeah. versus this how resident evil did these cutscenes. like mm-hmm. even comparison to part seven i was like wow i'm really impressed yeah uh some of the animations were dope as fuck like Dude. claire's look of like sheer terror in one scene i was like that that's too real. The, the animations, the cutscenes are so fucking good. Like the attention to detail with like character models and hair, yeah. but like even the little animations, like you are walking down a, like a dark hallway and you're readying your gun, but you have to reload. So Claire put her like flashlight between her head and her shoulder. Oh my God. And dude. it's like, you just notice these little things or it's like how they react. And I'm like, fuck like how many so times good. how many times did you hear like are you fucking kidding me that i i talked about in the previous <laughs> yeah. episodes my favorite thing so when good. like they miss a shot and you go like are you fucking kidding me or like curse under their breath and stuff it's so real like hearing claire be like you fucking son of a bitch and like it's just so real you know what's so gratifying is that back in the original game you would have to walk up to something and press x to get mm-hmm. like a little subtitle that says like there's nothing useful here or whatever and sometimes it would give you an insight yeah. from the character's perspective i love that the modern day version of that is when you're just walking through the RPD. Claire literally says a line, 
who converts an art museum yeah. into a police station? And I'm just like, well, thank you. It's great. Thank you for being a human being in this situation. <laughs> I fucking love it, dude. I want to like, I want to say like for a few reasons, this game really landed for me. Like, yeah. Atmosphere. It's amazing. Like, I don't know if it's, it caught the same feel for you as the original did, but like as a remake, I'm like, I feel like this is as harrowing as it could have been 20 years ago. It is. And it isn't. It's yeah. like two different worlds. You know, it's, it's like everything that I love about the original, the same beats, seeing mm. the, the West office from the art, RPD, the lobby and all that and of course i'm playing with the original music how can yeah. I not i just wait uh, soon you can play with the original skins but at the same time it takes you for this loop because it's such an expand it's an expanded nightmare yeah there's more to it there's more depth there's more intrigue uh characters that didn't have certain narrative beats have more fleshed exactly, out stories exactly. or have like gameplay sections it's, for them it's like the things that you would have wanted mm-hmm. from the original that they just didn't have time or technology to do is all yeah. here you know, it, it is the definitive version of that story. And mm. that's why I want to see him to do part three and do yeah. it again. For me, it's like, it's the definitive Resident Evil game because it really yes. is, uh, granted, it's, it has to be so informed by its like 23 year history at this point. But like, it learned from every step it had, its big action moments, what made a game scary, what made a game intimate, what made those moments matter, whether you had all your bullets or you had none. Such a thoughtful game. Yeah, but like, I I feel like they also kind of made it manageable for like a, a modern day audience because like there's so many little things here and there that make it accessible. Whereas I feel like mm-hmm. RE2 back in the day, people might have been turned off. They might have maybe gotten through a few zombie encounters and been like, fuck this, this is too hard. Exactly, exactly. I feel like <laughs> all of the systems that we know Resident Evil for, especially classic Resident Evil, mm-hmm. They found a way to just improve them. Little quality of life decisions, like the way you use your map. You can see. God, I love. The I map. love the fucking the map, map. Is so good. I love the fucking map. Where if you run into a room, it'll it'll stay red on the map if you mm-hmm. left items in there. And if you actually visibly look in an item, it'll mark it on your map for later. Mm-hmm. It'll be like, hey, go back. Those are bullets. What? Which was like something that they didn't do back in the day. What? Like you literally had to like write down or remember what was no, in a certain dog, room. I was fucking backtracking like crazy, confused, yeah. looking for one stupid key that I couldn't find, getting slashed by liquors. This game is just like, by the way, tell me here. It, it just made it so <laughs> easy it. to like navigate and think about like my movements where it's like, okay, yeah. I have eight, Mm-mm. I have seven inventory spots, but I need something for an eighth. Well, I can go to that room. Get that item. Yeah. Go to an inventory box, yeah. transfer some stuff around. It kind of just it's those on the fly survival yeah. decisions that like they they made it so streamlined and so it feels so good and contextual where it's like, do I want to take this? Do I want to combine these herbs? Ooh, there's finally a use for red and blue herbs. I digress. Yeah. Before we get too deep into that, okay? We got another thing to talk about. But give me give me your last RE2 impressions. Are you gonna go for the plat? Are you gonna go for the plat? Uh, Are you yeah, gonna go for the plat? I, well, for sure I'm gonna go for the plat. This is fucking. <laughs> this is the the house of the Capcom Capcom. Yep. I have to do it. I think it's just gonna. <laughs> you take... get off the lease if you don't get a plat in RE. <laughs> it's gonna take me some time though. I think I'm at 47 percent completion yeah. right now. Um, I like I said, I did Claire's campaign. I did Leon's. I think I liked Claire's a little more. Although I like me too. Me I like parts of Leon's toward the end better. But I like just the weapon set she gets. I like being with her i feel like she as somebody who was she's what 19 doesn't really come from the life of law she's kind of like just doing her own thing and she kind of comes across the situation just deals with it on the fly in such a way that feels real now she is prepared for the situation if you notice my girl open carries without knowing that there is any outbreak in raccoon city first yeah what do you mean a knife she carries a fucking gun on that, her that shit kind of blew my she mind she didn't find a gun like she did in the original game she had that shit on a holster <laughs> at the ready driving a motorcycle because she is a magnificent goddess of a woman 
Well, she's in the Redfield family, so I feel like you're born with a gun in that That's family. True. That's true. Um, but no, I liked my time with her a bit more. And then Leon's is cool, but I feel like he's just so hapless in some of the situations. But I like the interplay of the God, two of them. You're kidding me. Right? I like the interplay of the two of them across their campaigns. And yeah. it, it goes places for me. And like it has these big set pieces that pay off. Um, and like they don't overstay their welcome. Whereas I feel like we yes. always talk about RE7. Yes. We talk about the ship, how that section is like two hours too long. There's a section in RE2 that like I could give or take, but it doesn't overstay its welcome at least. No, that's the thing. I, I feel like um, they really took that criticism to heart and they yeah. made sure that no single section felt like a slog. Mm-hmm. May, gave it its own intrigue. Yeah. And like, especially when you get out of the RPD, spoiler, sorry. You do. When you get out of the RPD, they make sure that those elements are merc- like move at a clip. Mm-hmm. That they're mercifully short when they need to be and interesting as fuck when they know they got mm-hmm. something to hook you with. Yeah. The last third of this game are some of my favorites. Actually, I can't wait to talk about that yeah. on a review yeah, I can't episode wait. because I there's so wait. much cool influence and like so character much. in those set pieces. And and like you uh. see like 20 years of horror games that aren't Resident Evil leak into its design oh and you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like I was playing it and just yeah. go like, what? It's smart and it feels yeah. familiar and new all in the same breath. And oh, just got, I love it. I love it's it. It's fucking fantastic. It. And I, I, like I said, I feel like it's so approachable for newcomers to the series because like you have the easy to use map. Yes. You can combine items yeah. on the fly. You, you, can, you don't need no shit about Resident Evil to get into this game. You do not. This is your fucking launching point, okay? Jump in here. Mm -hmm. Please. It's gonna be good. What about you? Is there anything that they could have done to bring it to the next level, or was there anything that was missing for you? Um, With, honestly, some of the granularities that, like, I had, like, it's just nitpicks at this point. There's certain nitpicks. I think some of the enemies are bullet sponges, because they, in balancing the whole, you need to feel afraid of these creatures versus also empowered to handle the situation, they Mm -hmm. didn't quite know how to, like, get it, so you end up blasting zombies and just going, like, when are you fucking going down? Yeah, (laughs) and then to even come across them later, and it's like, wait, I thought I killed you, but you're not dead. Yeah, and I'm just like, I'm not going to pump 15 bullets into your skull, my dude, to get you down. So, like, Mm -hmm. I I feel like that's a little gripe. And then the other thing is that, yes, there is a two-campaign system. They could have really, really gone, like, ran the gamut with that. And Mm -hmm. I feel like they maybe dialed back because they realized, all right, this is a curated experience. Mm -hmm. I think they nailed it with the first campaign. And the second campaign could have been different, Mm -hmm. a little more different. So there's a lot of overlap that even, like, you just go, like, oh, I'm doing the same things. (laughs) I mean, there are little differences. I think they rearranged some of the puzzles. And like we said, like you have encounters with one character that you don't with the others. But I guess if you did like Leon's A, as you would do Claire's A, you would hit like the same story beats. Yeah, really. Essentially, you do. You really do. If you start both of their A's, I I wish Mm -hmm. that they were more distinct is all I wanted. Yeah. I think the only main gripe I have is really, um, I wish it handled lore in the way that like the first Resident Evil did. How do you mean? And RE7 did. I think like, I feel like it could have fleshed it out a little better across files and documents, like really get a sense of like the way the outbreak kind of spread. And you, you get it. You do trust me. You get a sense of like how it spread across the RPD and you get some files like later on. They're like, okay, I see how this broke out into the way it did, but I wanted to see a little more. I think, I don't know. Yeah. I, I still walked away from it. And I'm like, okay, I guess I get what the G virus is about. I guess I get what the Birkins were doing, but 
you know. I, 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 I could see what you're saying there. I, I think also it kind of hinges on the whole fact that this franchise has been around for like sure. over two decades. And I feel like they just, they didn't want to do the Spider-Man origins fucking thing again, which is like, here's 30 minutes of an origin story about this, like yeah. what Umbrella is and all that. I think they just were like, you know what Umbrella is, motherfucker. That's <laughs> you know? true. Like that's how they handled it almost. They're like, you know what it is. I mean, Umbrella is like so all over the place in that city yeah. that you like, you can't help but know. Like they're yeah. on the fucking welcome sign. They're on billboards. But I do agree there is like a moment where they just like literally throw one line out there and it's like hey you know umbrella's doing this right mm-hmm. and the character's like that explains it <laughs> and that's it like you don't really get a whole like what the fuck do you mean a pharmaceutical company yeah. is developing bio like i wanted more of that i think i wanted more insight into nest mm. too because i feel like mm. nest is such like maybe it's been around but like i'm not familiar with the name so it's just like actually i don't remember it having a name yeah. nest in the original game i think that's new to this one okay yeah in the original game it was just like we have an underground lab. yeah <laughs> it would have just been cool to have like an like a few extra files at like the last stretch of the game i feel but, you yeah. i feel maybe they just couldn't like get the the copywriter to to make a few more files maybe. hanging off of bodies you're just like fuck it you're you guys are miyazaki you're environmental storytellers now. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise like i have no major complaints honestly yeah. like i have another game i'm playing but i'm still thinking about re2 because nothing feels that way in my hands it's the same thing with re7 it's so it's solid like, yeah it's so solid that yeah. even after you're well done after it you still want to go back i beat the game eight times and i'm still thinking like i wonder if i do a playthrough this way you mm-hmm. know like it, it has that opportunity to be like what if i did a playthrough like you know just using a handgun yeah. or, or doing this or maybe trying to get not hit somebody did that by the way interesting no hit playthrough wow yeah what's your favorite way to play my favorite way to play what yeah. do you mean like, like favorite campaign favorite costume give you like give me the full gotcha yeah, yeah my ideal shit like if is... you were to sit down and play it tonight what would get you good claire a uh claire's first campaign yeah. her original costume uh her grenade launch with some fire rounds okay get on out there just start blasty blasting just having fun if you gave me an unlimited grenade launcher that game would be amazing (laughs) do that capcom i'll fucking pay for it 2.99 bitch (laughs) i'll buy that dlc but daniel yes we're gonna have a save roommates we're gonna have a full-on resident evil 2 review episode Mm -hmm. we're gonna talk about that we're gonna dive into the spoilers we're gonna break through in that but i I, think we're gonna try and record that midweek i think so or saturday i think so you're gonna love it however Oh, and if you if you're confused, go buy it. Go buy it. Yeah. Go buy the fucking game. Tell me about a little ditty called Kingdom Hearts Three. So, do you want me to explain it to you, or do you want me to fucking nort you so you experience it firsthand? I want you to tell me, <laughs> as somebody who is legitimately a fan and not somebody who is just morbidly curious about this convoluted mm-hmm. franchise, are you happy with the product that came out? I mean, okay, you're not going to get any crazy over-the-top reactions from me. I wasn't crying. I wasn't weeping. I wasn't overwhelmed with huge emotions. I was just finally excited to sit down with it and see the sort of conclusion. So far, I'm I'm very, very satisfied with my time with it. I'm about 12 hours in. Um, I've explored three or four worlds right now. Mm -hmm. And so on a gameplay front, it knocks it out of the park for me. Like, the combat system, better than ever. Bevy of moves. Like, the surface level combat is super easy, but it's also really deep. Because, like, you have, like, sort of, like, keyblade combinations you can do, and you get button prompts that, like, pull out attractions, and, like, really things that kind of step up the, the combat. So... Gameplay is great for me. Traversal is amazing. They really, I, I think they scaled back the amount of worlds to really pay attention to what you can do with them a little more. Do you know how many worlds are in the game? I think there's like eight, to eight be honest. Okay. That yeah. seems like Which a is, good amount of worlds. We yeah. only got the one, actually. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I really like the variety of things you could do within them. Like, 
traversing feels great you can wall run you can fucking like do the warp strike basically where you can like kind of warp from point to point navigating them feels great there's like a ton of shit you can do in terms of like collecting recipes because you can sit down and basically craft recipes that give you certain stat boosts um when you go into battle wait a second kind of like with the boys in final like Fantasy the boys yeah, yeah yeah does ignis show up and go i've got it no it's it's remy from uh ratatouille so yeah yeah uh, does he say i got it he could you can imagine it oh okay. you'll have to imagine it but like that shit's cool it, then... it went down a score it went down a whole letter grade 6.5 maybe 7 out of 10 yeah yeah <laughs> no longevity but like and there's that and then like you yeah. get to find little hidden mickeys you get like a little camera that you can take photos with it so there's like fun stuff to occupy your time that i'm loving i'm loving okay. all that stuff fair i think where it's losing me and where everybody else is like kind of shitting their pants over it's like i don't get the story and it's not because i'm dumb it's not it's just because the story is so what's the word i'm looking for it's bloated it's convoluted it doesn't even seem like it knows what it's always mm-hmm. trying to say and it seems like it has to double back on things that's even presented to us at times to like make sense of it it, it mostly seems like it's yammering at you yeah. it's yammering nonsense at you i watched you stream the game and like the gameplay that i saw looked really sensationally fun i was it's just fun. like yo that looks good it looks like a smooth version of what i remember it to be if you loved hack and slashing heartless or nobodies in one and two you're gonna love it you're gonna it's yeah. great yeah but then these fucking cutscenes show up and this game must think it's metal gear solid 4 because it gives you like fucking 45 minute cutscenes of just senseless 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 dialogue i was i streamed it the first day i played it and it i think the ratio of gameplay to cutscenes was like 50 50 and i'm just like i'm legit sitting through so many cutscenes like fight a nobody here's a cutscene I'm just like, eh. Nobody stopped to think that, like, having characters like Mickey and Goofy mm-hmm. just use their stupid cartoon voices to describe, like, and your heart has to be open, Sora, or you're gonna die. <laughs> oh, yuck, you don't want the darkness, Sora. The darkness is gonna eat you alive, Sora. <laughs> it's, it's just the stupidest shit I've ever seen. Like, the di- by the way, the dialogue's really bad, too. <laughs> like, not even like, oh, it's just convoluted. Like, no, it's just really bad. I, I'll give it to you. Some of the overarching narrative dialogue is pretty bad. I like some of the interplay, like, world-specific, where it's like you're getting to interact with, like, those characters, like, Buzz and Woody in the Toy Story toy box, or, like, okay. characters in Metropolis. Like, when it's more reeled in, <laughs> when they're trying to do the overall story of light and dark and this and that, and, like... Yeah, it just gets a little ham-fisted and, and cheesy. It's a little, cheesy. Yeah, a yeah. little ham-fisted. It's yeah. a lot ham-fisted. So for me, I, I feel like the cutscenes are going to be very hard to tolerate. Yeah, and you kept on saying like, just fucking skip them. Yeah. I'm just like, no, I can't do that. So I had a roommate uh, back when I lived in Gainesville who he played Final Fantasy 13 and he legit skipped every cutscene. I'm like, Chris, what are you doing? You're gonna miss the story. He's like, I don't give a shit. I just want to get in there. I want to fuck shit up. I want to fight. I want to level. And I'm like. Okay, and that always stuck with me because it's like I, I guess there's never been a game that I've I've ever tried to skip through like that because I'm like oh I gotta see what the story is but I legit have moments sometimes where I'm like what if I skip this <laughs> what if I just skip this but I mean for me people always ask me oh what's what's your favorite Kingdom Hearts what do you love about the series and I'm like well it definitely isn't always the story I no. like the the real in approach of one is great where you have Sora Riku Kairi. It's simple themes about light and dark. You have these princesses of light. You have these keyholes that you have to seal to stop darkness from like overcoming these individual worlds. That all tracks. It's it's pretty simple. But then when you get this weird shit where Sora's in a coma and he has a fucking vessel and there are these organization members and there's different dimensions and I'm like, I don't think they always set it up in the cleanest way that they could have. No. And I feel like it makes an entry like Kingdom Hearts 3 really hard to like onboard people even if like you know they do a good job at like 
giving you an abundance of materials like here's a bunch of movies you can watch and here's characters like basically recapping shit that happened but it's like it's hard to follow even as a fan i feel like it's it's one of those games where you it's like you have to recommend it with a fucking like asterisk Mm -hmm. you have to be like but keep in mind the cutscenes aren't gonna make any fucking sense Mm because the story doesn't really make sense but when you get down to the core mechanics of it, when you get to the just the beautiful world building, mm-hmm. the interactions with with like Toy Story Realm and Monsters Inc. and or was it Monstervania? What are they called? <laughs> Monstropolis. Monstropolis yeah, and yeah. shit. That is where the through line for this title mm-hmm. lies. Uh, to the point where like uh, Jim Sterling was talking about it. He had two videos. One video where he was just like, "Yeah, the story's fucking gibberish." Mm-hmm. Like the first one made sense. Final Fantasy characters meet Disney characters. Mm-hmm. Bada bing. Yeah, you're, you're printing money at that point. And then two and on just went on this fucking Dante's Inferno quest mm-hmm. to just get to the heart of of confusion essentially and make yeah. it playable. And I I sat down to play this one. I was like, okay, I played Birth by Sleep and I watched some of the movies, but I feel like I'm still missing something because they're introducing characters i'm like who the hell are you like who which fucking vessel of xehanort's darkness are you supposed to be it just i don't know it's, there's it's, like three versions and like i've watched a few videos like not like lore videos uh-huh. but people trying to just like very like kingdom hearts for your dummies kind of shit yeah. we're just like well yeah imagine this you know there's like three separate versions existing at all times because uh xehanort went to the future but he went to the past and i'm just like stop stop yeah when stop. they did that back and forth in time traveling shit i'm like what i was like stop you're wrong you're wrong also, get, tell me, what, what's your complaint about Sora in every situation that he gets into? He's a fucking idiot, dude. Like, I know in sense, like in a sense, he was born yesterday because he was in a That's coma. That's my problem with Sora. <laughs> he's an idiot, dude. Like, legit, like, you go to all these worlds and he's still fucking flummoxed that the Heartless or the Nobodies or the organization could be at the core of any of it. It's like, my dude, you should know by now. You're fighting alongside a fucking King Mickey. Listen, dude, <laughs> dimensional travel has gotten his mind locked in the, the childhood mindset okay He's so dumb and like it's funny because like some of the characters like rib on him a little bit and it's like funny because it's like oh mickey's making fun of you yeah you are kind of stupid <laughs> I, I made the joke that i was like he could look at his own hands and not know what they are yo dude if mickey's stunting on you you got problems but my thing is okay kingdom hearts is always my guilty pleasure it was sure. a game that i always felt silly playing because like i love disney that's something people don't really know about me so i would sit down and play it and i feel like family would watch me play it and like what is this this is kind of childish and i'm like yeah surface level it's kind of childish but like it's fun it scratches like a a gameplay yeah. itch that not many mm-hmm. games do and i was worried that this would feel stymied in a ps2 era and like in in some ways it does like ui menu design some of the things they try and do but like the way they kind of moved it forward in a new engine like this game looks amazing and unreal most of every game does granted but like it plays great like the fucking world physics and weather physics and like I, i go to new worlds and i'm just excited to explore which was always my favorite part like navigating not being in the gummy ship, granted. We'll talk about that in a second. Oh my but like, god. But like going from world to world... Why would you bring back the most reviled fucking part of your games? Anyway, go ahead. Going from world to world was always the height of it. I was like, cool, what am I going to see next? What characters am I going to airplay with that? And this is all there on a bigger level and it fucking lands for me so hard. And it's cool. Like there's such a variety of things to do, like I said. And when I get bored, I'm like, cool, I can play mini games even or I can just hack up baddies. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's dumb fun, but yeah. it's just... it it feels nostalgic and it, it's hitting on on those notes but the two things that aren't working for me gummy ship gummy ship what's gummy going ships? on with the gummy ship dude, man I, why I, did they bring it back why, why? Did they bring it back nobody asked for this literally it, none of your fans asked for this and i feel like it just feels like a weird mm. flight simulator with inverted controls that just don't work for me can you invert them again can I you think like you can, in the yeah. menu okay we got to fix that 
but I just, um, I'm trying to have fun with it. I am. I really am. I'm like, but I, I find myself more often than not skipping like space battles, really just beelining from like planet to planet and be like, well, I got to just get to the ne- this next world. But you get into disadvantage where it's like, you have to get your battle level up because you'll get into forced fights Come on. and you're like, okay, well that boss is level 22 and I'm only level 10 or something like that. So you really have to kind of like do some of the fights and it doesn't feel well designed for it sometimes, uh. but I th- after a while, once you hit all the worlds, you can just fast travel to them, which is nice. Yes, that would be like that. that, that would that's be my a great main concession shit right like, there. Uh, you're telling me I can skip. I would. I would pay Ubisoft style for microtransactions <laughs> to skip the fucking gummy levels. Okay, or like just to auto like upgrade your ship. Be like, cool. Now I'm level twenty six. <laughs> but no, it's yeah. it's great fun. Um, I think I'm about like a quarter of the way, maybe a third of the way through. And apparently everybody's like the story cooks, like it goes places, like it builds for fans. And I'm like, okay, cool. So far, like the moments that hit for me most, other than the traversal is like when I'm with the core cast and I'm hanging out with Riku or Kyrie. And I'm like, yeah, this feels familiar. This feels like my childhood. Cause like kingdom hearts was the first game I played on the PlayStation two. So that was kind of my re onboarding point for Sony. Devil May Cry was the first one I played. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. It, I don't Such know. You know. Yeah, I needed to know that. I, I got a new one coming out next uh, oh, next month. DMC five. Yeah, so but, hyped. Um, I'm excited for you to kind of get your hands yeah. on it and, and see because you bought it today. I bought it today because yeah. because of Jim Sterling actually because he he fucking leveled the story, but then he did an impressions video where he's like, "But when you get past these stupid stupid cutscenes, mm-hmm. it's a magical game. It's so fun. It's so gorgeous. It is so engaging. It is it is a marvel." And he says like, "On that alone, I could recommend." It. And I was like, "You know what?" I can respect that. It is a little cultural thing. And then I had the idea today that, you know what? We're going to have a full-on review episode for Kingdom Hearts oh my 3 God. once we both fucking get through it. Because I like that for RE2, you never played the original. Mm-hmm. So you're coming in where, like, I'm going to be your shepherd, your guide sure. through the experience. And then on the opposite, you're going to fucking lead that Kingdom Hearts soiree. Yeah. That's I, totally you. It's... I I was like, I don't know that I want to use my Keyblade to open that door of heart. I don't know if I want to walk through Just that. smack the top of it, because you never actually have to put a fucking Keyblade in any single keyhole in this franchise. I didn't know that I wanted to do it. It's like, if we could land it in under an hour, sure, like, I'll, I'll yeah, walk okay. that with you. Nah, dude, it's gonna be this fucking three and a half hour journey through all of Kingdom Hearts lore. Dude, strap into the gummy ship. We're gonna go. <laughs> to yeah. the main point, I think it, it lived up to my expectations in good and bad ways. It's everything sure. I thought it would be on a gameplay level, and it was fun, and it was everything I was kind of dreading on a story perspective but i, I want to see where you're at with the end of it i do want to see like if you if you flip on that story aspect mm-hmm. for sure i mean if they can manage to help me understand it by the midpoint towards the end sure yeah <laughs> sure but i don't know i'm having fun with it and i like that you get to play as other characters <laughs> here and there too like you get a cool segment with riku and i'm like yeah this is dope he's op you get you're hanging out with king mickey you're fighting the darkness okay I got a big question for you, sure. though, because of these two games are, that, that came out. Oh, God. If somebody came up to you and said that uh, you have all of February, okay, but you only have one of these games to play, Resident Evil 2 or Kingdom Hearts 3 for the entire month, which one do you pick? Assuming that you've never played either. Mm-hmm. What, or actually, what, what, does it make more sense to say that you've played <laughs> a little bit of both? No, no. Just so, tell me what. So, okay, so like, say I was yeah, recommending yeah, yeah. this, like, my uncle or like yeah, somebody okay, who's just perfect. buying a PlayStation. Yeah, I I think I would recommend Resident Evil Two ah. because it is a complete package in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it is an example of what modern game design should be: game design, mechanics, gameplay. It's it's all there. Even though it's like it's borrowed from a twenty year old game, 
it is what like modern survival horror should feel like and it's complete in that and like there's so much replay value like i love capcom games because it's like cool i can beat a game now i got a new game plus now i have new runs to look forward to. now i have new like item unlocks and weapon unlocks to look forward to capcom's the only company that can get me excited about having yeah. the runs but like if you like <laughs> no nothing, you got nothing else you <laughs> i mean they keep me on the run whether it's mr x or you know anything else like that but I think if you like stupid, like mindless fun, like, yeah, go for Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, it's just, I don't think. I love that. If you like stupid, mindless fun, as if you're recommending a Dynasty Warriors <laughs> game. It, I mean, it is, but it's deeper than that. Like, it yeah. has deeper systems. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But... I, I I think it's like kind of caught in a time and in place, though. Like, mm-hmm. it never, like, it's one of those series that never matured with its fans. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a lot of reviews the same one, like, are warning people, like, yo. They're acting like kids are going to be jumping on board to this game as if it isn't like mostly fucking adults yeah. that play these games when they are 12 year olds. I mean, it didn't age with my expectations very well in yeah. that regard, but it's like when I got to it, I'm like, cool, I, at least this is what a Kingdom Hearts 3 on like a modern day system would look like. Not always feel like, but you know, uh, okay. you know, it's just like the graphics like fucking blow my mind. I'm like, holy shit. Like little flourishes, like Jim was talking about it and like, you can't miss it where it's like you're running an environment and like, you can kind of see like a gloss over an item, whether it's a rock or a wall. And like you legit do little flourishes where he puts a hand down on the rock and he just kind of jumps over it. Nice. Or you see like little animations, like when you're running and it's like that shit would have been like, you, they couldn't do it on Kingdom Hearts one or two on the PlayStation. Yeah, definitely. So. Definitely. I, I, I'll let you know what I think tonight, yeah. man. I, I'll, I'll get into it a little bit but uh yeah okay so let's let's do another uh, th- a think tank piece sure. here sure, sure, so sure. king mickey okay or ultra instinct shaggy who would win in a fight oh my god oh my god i think i think king mickey though king mickey yeah. for sure yeah what's why? up what? why i don't know king mickey is like he's traveled across dimensions you know he's got he doesn't have any scars to even show uh, i don't even know he's a timeless mouse ultra instinct shaggy has created dimensions only using 11 percent of his power too. so you think he's the reason why this fucking keyblade war of light and dark is happening i think he's at the center of this oh one. my god Zeta <laughs> <Senna> shag <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I hope that that's the epilogue that they had to patch in post-release, that, like, Shaggy is the fucking end-all boss. Rock, rock. <laughs> Sora, we gotta fight Shaggy now. <laughs> and the music is just operatic. <laughs> it's like fighting something out of that, the Fantasia, the Fantasia devil, you know what I'm talking about? Oh my god. Yeah, it's that, except it's Shaggy. <laughs> you have to be level 99 to fight him, and even then, it's still a struggle. Even then, he can still one-hit you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm probably going to play it a bit after this, probably going to stream it. And I, I told myself I'm probably going to work for the Platinum because there's no difficulty trophy. Um, I'm surprised, even with proud mode being in the game, I'm surprised they yeah. didn't uh, the, go for that. Especially considering how easy the, the normal setting is. Like, it's an easy game. That's what I hear, yeah. too. A lot of people are like, dude, I'm not fucking running into any challenge. Well, you'll get people, too, like, um, they'll be like, yeah, I'm avoiding using, like, the attractions because, like, you can basically summon, like, uh thunder mountain or big splash mountain or i got that fucked up sorry you can summon splash mountain or big thunder mountain or like the carousel and you can do like op attacks yeah big splash mountain's what you do to the girls don't you be <laughs> talking about that on air buddy yeah man when i show my keyblade they just open up <laughs> you hit them over the head with oh wait 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 <laughs> <laughs> but i'm sure we'll talk about it more yep. as as you get into it and as we're gonna I do of... a review episode oh uh, it, yeah it's apparently. locked in <laughs> now that we've said it on air people are gonna be like where the fuck is the yeah. kingdom hearts review dudes i'm I think I'm most interested to see the sales across um, PlayStation and Xbox yeah, because yeah. it's the first time a mainline like numbered title has been cross-plot. I wonder if it's going to overtake Final Fantasy 15. 
I think it's I think it stands in a good position too because you know you know what Final Fantasy 15 didn't have Mm -hmm. fucking Frozen. I was gonna say Tangled, fucking Big Hero Six. It's got all these big fucking (laughs) Disney properties that pull children to it. Like I hear there's a whole three minute segment where you sing Let It Go. You know, so it's gonna pull a wider demographic of people in. That's gonna suck. But you know who who didn't bring in? Didn't bring in the boys, Kevin. the boys are confirmed to not be in the game no i'm sorry i, I don't think there are any final fantasy characters hey square enix huh. are you fucking clown shoes are you made of clown shoes shoes for clowns you are motherfuckers you get the boys back in there you had every opportunity <laughs> you had every opportunity to put those boys in there even if you want to make a 30 dollars expansion you better have some fucking boys on there okay dude calling all boys calling all boys to the fucking <laughs> kingdom hearts 3 expansion how dare you i need noctis ignis gladiolus uh promptoist <laughs> all of them i need all of them dude i think it's all of them don't yeah, bring arden i don't want arden no fuck no. arden what no, no, no. what why does he even get dlc anyway anyway, <laughs> anyway but i think that's all of our impressions for re2 in kingdom hearts 11.9 final prologue remix okay okay eight okay. and a half i need to stop real quick hold on this game broke my my mind for a second i played an hour of it and then it hits you with the kingdom hearts 2.9 prologue screen and i'm like wait this isn't even like the kingdom hearts fuck? 3 and then about three hours in they drop the black it's kingdom hearts 3 and i'm like i've been playing for three hours and i'm not even playing the fucking game i'm playing a fucking setup to the game like what, what the, the hell fuck? are you talking about i lost it <laughs> you take a look you never took the disc out of the box <laughs> what's happening in here i i've been norted i didn't know what happened you're your own nobody man yeah. You're your own nobody. But yeah, no, so yeah, that wraps up the impressions. Uh, like yeah. we said, next episode. Well, you're doing a special one. You're going to have a guest on. It's going to be a mono a mono uh, episode. mono a mono with Sterling from Game Savvy. That's two Vs. Uh, is it two Vs? Yeah. So Savvy. Savvy. Uh, cool dude. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a one-on-one and talk about like you know what he's into, uh, his work on Game Savvy. He wants to talk a little bit about RE2. I'm sure we're going to get into Fire Emblem. Apparently that's his main shit. Mm. So we're, we're going to get into that. So ch- look for that. That's going to be cool. Hopefully I figure out how to do the Skype remote session yeah. uh sooner rather than later and i also need to find the fucking time to edit it yeah it's yeah. tough because my work week next week is bad okay real bad yeah that's well that's all you so I, okay. my recommendation dude keep it under an hour make it manageable yeah no no i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying like it won't be like a standard episode it's yeah. just gonna be like a part of our signature series mm-hmm. safe room signature series <laughs> <laughs> all right but i i think that wraps it up man do, do we want to do any other shout outs we didn't call out the twitter earlier that's at save room show if you want to dm us your favorite mr x memes mm-hmm. we're calling all x memes <laughs> calling all x memes huh. or your favorite kingdom hearts uh otps Yo, dude, I want to see some fucking exhibit slash Mr. X uh, mashups. I, I want to see your videos. I want to see zombies flying off of balconies. Give it all to me. And they do. They fucking throw themselves at you. It's so funny. It's the funniest and also most startling shit. Claire opens the door. A zombie just throws itself so at your feet from good. three stories up. But I think that's uh, that's about it, my friendo. We are yeah, into the housekeeping up front, so mm-hmm. we got nothing to do. Yeah, dude, we used up all these key items. We could discard this whole fucking episode now. Gone, dude. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. Well, thank you once again for mm-hmm. putting your ears on this and uh, just making it through the day. <laughs> making it through today. <laughs> no, as always, we appreciate you guys listening, engaging with us on Twitter, on Twitch, really anywhere we put ourselves out there. You guys have been really cool with us, and we appreciate the fuck out of y'all y'all been good yeah but i guess this has been episode 52 we'll see you on the other side